They're breaking in! From M. Night Shyamalan, the visionary director who brought you Split. Your family must sacrifice one of the three of you to prevent the apocalypse. We're not sacrificing anyone. For the last three times, for every no you give us, billions will perish. This is delusional! Save your family. I'm on my family's side. Or save humanity. No! Make a choice. Knock at the cabin in cinemas February 3rd, Certificate 15. Today we have the story of Sharon Gale, and I heard her story on the Richie Allen Show. If you're interested in stories of the kind that we've been having on this channel, a lot of you guys will be interested in Richie Allen's channel as well which is available on YouTube and all of the other platforms. I'll put a link actually in the description box to Sharon's story on Richie Allen. But coincidentally, Sharon was just telling me that she found about, out about me before I found out about her because of her son. That's right. What, what happened there? <clears throat> well, my, my son's 23 now, so this is going back a long time. Um, we'd, we'd been sort of running around the world at that stage, and we'd just come back from New Zealand. So I think this would have been 2009, I think, around then, 9 or 10. And I can remember him coming back from school looking a little traumatised, I must say. <laughs> um, he certainly had never heard anything like it in his little life that I'd tried to protect him, particularly having come from New Zealand with a population of about two. <laughs> so, so, And he'd come back and he was like, Mum, Mum, like this man was in, in school telling us about all the years he spent in prison because he was a big drug dealer and it was awful and there was cockroaches and there was... And I, and I was like... Well, there you go then, Sam. You don't want to be going to prison, do you? His little mate was there. And he's going, my dad's been in Winchester. It's not bad there. <laughs> like, like, sounds worse in America. But, like, from then, he's remembered that because, obviously, our situation has come up. And he was like, I know him. I know him. That's the guy who done the talk in the school. And I was like, I remember that. So... He's never had any trouble, like, with the police or drugs or smoking or drink. Like, he's nothing like I was. He's like, well, I was all right at his age. It was well before that. I was a little brat. Um, but so these these talks do have an impact because particularly where we were living at that time, it was a rural village. And most of the kids there, at the very least, they're smoking weed. If not, they're on MCAT, they're they're on, well, Cokes everywhere. Because this is a problem with small villages. Before these kids can drive, um, they're bored. They're mm. trapped in this tiny village. There's nothing to do. So they're over a field or around someone's house because everybody's <laughs> out, like, just getting off their face. It's not nicking drink yeah. from the drink cabinet like when we were little ones. Not that I was particularly good at that. I'd sort of raised my game on that <laughs> score. But, but, like, so they do work, you know. So it's it's quite nice because it's like I've known of you all this time without knowing kind of thing. So it's good to hear that the talk worked on your son then because oh, I, never, I never know the effect it's <clears> going to have on the kids when they go in the schools and well, speak to them. Well, he's 23 and he's remembered it. He's remembered yeah. all of it like yesterday, whereas I'm quite sure if I asked him anything else he learned at school, he'd roll his eyes and be like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> Sharon's story <clears throat> is absolutely heartbreaking, mind-blowing. There are numerous levels. Just when you think the story can't get any worse, it accelerates into an even darker place. And before we embark on that journey... Just to set the background up a little bit then, uh, 
can you just tell us about a bit about your life like um you know getting married how you met your husband and how happy you guys were in the beginning before the, before everything the tragedy. Went, went wrong yeah um well i don't, i actually met him i was working um in um for an electronics company in essex and he just opened his company because <clears throat> he'd been working for a big manufacturer and I, I'd sort of, by default, ended up being general manager. And there was no way I should have had that job. I was like 23 years old or something ridiculous. Didn't have a clue. Um, and he was trying to get us to buy his equipment. And this job was stressing me out more and more and more and more. And this would have been mm, 1999. Yeah, coming up year 2000. And so I, I decided that in 2000 to take the whole of February off and go and see my family in New Zealand and make a decision. What am I going to do? Because at this stage, this guy's offered me a job in his company. I know that this other job that I'm in is consuming me because it's going from bad to worse. The director had emigrated. Everybody was leaving. The rats were leaving the ship. And then I went to New Zealand and got offered a job with Hewlett Packard. And I had another job offered to me in Hertfordshire. So I went away for a month. Like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? It's too cold. It's summer in New Zealand. Let's go see the folks kind of thing. Um, And I came back from that. And I thought, ah, oh, my grandparents are getting older. It's not a time to, as much as I did want to leave, I, on reflection, I probably should have after, like, what happens. Um, so in the end, I end up working for this guy. We sort of have a bit of an office romance, as it were, which, which results in us sort of, like, blending our families together. I'd already had Sam from a previous relationship, and he had children from a previous relationship. So the company was doing... Well, um, the company went from tiny office to growing very quickly. So it wasn't stressful. It was busy. It was busy and it was all positive busy. And like I was younger then, so I clearly had more energy than I do now. <laughs> like it was all fine. Um, I fall pregnant um, with with Charlotte. Um, we'd, we'd been renting a house um, in, in um, Bishop's Waltham at that stage, which is why, obviously, the, the school was just up the road where you saw Sam. Um, and during that time, the people had lived overseas, so we had this, like, four-bedroom house that we were renting. And the house around the corner came up for sale, literally from here to the end of that room, just around the corner. So the boys had settled really well. There was loads of little kids in this tiny little cul-de-sac. It was a really good place. So we bought the house... So we'd we bought the. I'm just trying to think. We ended up when when I had Charlotte, we were still we we literally were on our last weekend in our rented house. We'd bought the other house and they were putting carpets down. So it was the easiest move. We were just throwing stuff over the fence. It was just <laughs> like not a problem. And um, and so everything was fine. So now we've got our new house, we've got the new baby. The company's doing well. Like n- nothing. It was too perfect on reflection and I wished, I said this to Richie, I wished I'd appreciated those days more because it went horrific from from that day on. Um, and how old were you at the at the point of Charlotte's oh, um, birth? What would I have been, 28, I think, 28 yeah. or 27, 28. Don't do the maths. So late, late 20s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wasn't wasn't young, young, but I wasn't knocking on like now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd had a crossover with our mail and stuff like that, even though we were only two doors different. Uh, um, 
Charlotte's medical card had gone to our old address. The new people that were coming back from overseas hadn't gone into that address, so that, that post was, well, no one was expecting any post. No, there was nothing to care about. So what is a medical card? It, it was just basically when... when um, when you have a baby, eventually the NHS just send you through <clears throat> like the NHS number and, and all that. So apparently like that card had come through with a thing that she was due to have her immunisations um, down, at, down at the clinic. Which immunisations were they? Right, this was the meningitis, um, DTAP, which is diphtheria, tetanus and pertuse, all munged into one, and polio. Yeah. So, that, so that's is, a lot. is that is that three injections? Um polio polio at that stage was oral. Um the yeah, the DTAP was injection and so was the meningitis was injection. So that's that's sort of like four cocktails of toxins in injections and then one one in oral form. It really doesn't make that much difference. It's in you anyway. Yeah. Um, now I didn't realise that this was the day, and it oh, it was just a bad set of circumstance because we'd been busy with the move, and I was at home, and I thought, Do you know what? Before I go and pick them up from school, I'm going to go and get Charlotte Wade because um, I haven't had a chance to for a couple of weeks because the midwife comes around and the health visit comes around for a couple of weeks, and then after that, it's down to you kind of thing. So it'd been a few weeks since I'd got a Wade. So I went and got a wage, and they were like, oh, you're here for the immunizations. And I was like, well, well uh, no, I just want to get a wage. I, I just need to get a wage because I'm terrible. It must be a sixth sense. I have a real issue with doctors, full stop. I can avoid them like the plague and always have well before this situation. They say doctors are a leading cause of death these days. Well, they are. Yeah. Yeah, they, you wouldn't have all of these firms all over Facebook, all over TV. Medical negligence, as you like, it's not... Are you stupid and you fell over on a biro in your office going and rinse your boss? This is big business because they know that the NHS, um, it was actually someone quite high up in the NHS told me this quite recently. They have, each hospital has a huge, huge fund of money and you should never feel bad about suing the NHS. Now, I always would have felt bad about suing the NHS, but now I wouldn't because that money is just there for that. It's never going to go to patients. And that's one of their biggest expenditures is out-of-court compensations. And it's like... So how old was Charlotte when you took her? Um, She was eight weeks old. Eight weeks old. Which is, yeah. Um, And she wasn't a particularly big baby. Um compared with some of them that I was seeing down there are like probably the same age kind of thing. You think, this is another thing, isn't it? A seven-pound baby is an awful lot different to a 12-pound baby. Yeah. Um, but no, this is the one thing fits all. So in the end, I, I said that I didn't want the meningitis vaccine. It was new at that stage in, two, in 2000. And I, anything new can go wrong. Tell me about it in six years when there's no no data that anything's gone wrong, um, and we'll think about it. Um, so I told them that I didn't want that done. I was getting in a flap, and before I knew it, I'd undressed um, Charlotte, and she'd got weighed and all the rest of it. And I was like, "Hang on, hang on, I need to phone, I need to phone like my husband, find out like what's going on here." 
um, and get him to come down because I'm not taking her in. And and I was like, give me a minute, give me a minute, because he's only in the office. And he'll come and do this with me because I'm like, I'm going to faint. I was like, I feel sick. I don't want to do this. And um, before I knew it, they whipped her out of my arms. She'd gone in another room and I didn't actually find out they had given her that meningitis, even though I'd given them strict instructions that that wasn't to be, you know. I'd, at that stage, I didn't have any problems with immunisations. I didn't. And this is the thing that really annoys me is getting called an anti-vaxxer. It's like, well, you may as well just call yourself a plague-ridden, you know, like mentally insane person. Because every person I know that questions vaccines has had something happen through them or somebody very close in their family has had something happen. None of us started off like that. It's like you can't have too many coincidences that everything leads back to the same thing for everybody. and, And I'm not saying that... I'm not saying that all vaccines are bad. I mean... I personally wouldn't ever walk down that street again, ever, with with anybody. Um, but th- there's no... I mean, what, from when I was researching all of this, there is a link. There is a link between people that are in atopic families. So if you've got asthma and the other one's got skin allergies, hay fever and that, the, the, the rates of incident of these vaccine reactions is vastly increased. Now, when I'm not talking about 20 people I've spoken to. This has gone on 20 years. I'm talking to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. We're going to get to all that, to so your act activism and where you're at with it now can you just tell me then that, <clears throat> that day in the hospital so you're saying that they they took so, charlotte so they took her they took against her, your well, your instructions yeah they, did they gave that they gave her the meningitis for. and she didn't have permission you were on the phone with your husband and it was too late and i said oh they've done it now anyway and like of course i don't think anything i don't even know she's had the meningitis at this stage otherwise i probably would have kicked off but i mean you can't say that i on reflection i wished i had but you're a new, well, you're not a new mum because you've had one before, but you haven't had any sleep for eight weeks. You, your body's still not a thing. And it was like just walking to the medical centre with the buggy, like to go and take her there and then collect little and from school. Like, it was like, ugh. So your brain, you're still in your hormone brain fuzz anyway and you are for like a good few months after you have a baby you, you, you know you're like where's my phone oh it's in the fridge what, what? <laughs> and you're only in your 20s you're not gonna know about these things i wasn't brought up in a medical environment i didn't know any of these things did you your know? husband come to the hospital that day well no what happened was so we're just at the medical center like the doctor's surgery so this is where all this has happened so like i i get her all dressed and everything and like you get the red book and so I've got the red book, which is the white, the weight and the height and all, like all the rest of it. Now, on, when you look at this and then you, you look what all the things that they shouldn't have done that day, um, she'd actually lost weight that day, which was uh, by their own um, inserts on these vaccines. If a baby isn't thriving now, lack of weight gain is is she'd actually lost weight, and she babies lose weight in the first couple of weeks. This shouldn't have been happening at eight weeks. She should have been on a steady thing, but she'd gone do do do. Like it wasn't huge, but it but they shouldn't have immunised her until they found out what that was over, 
and let her catch up like from a centile line um, on on her chart. So they shouldn't have done it anyway. There was already, from that minute, there was a counter indicator that actually, give it a few weeks, let's see if she's thriving, picking up. So I've walked to the school, <clears throat> gone and collected some from school, gone back to the house. She's not too bad. Like, Charlotte's not too bad. She's grumpy. But then who can blame her? You know, she's she's been completely cocooned little thing and then someone stripped her naked and stabbed her twice in the leg and chucked shit down her throat kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> so that was like, they tell you. I mean, this is another thing. They say, oh, well, give them infant paracetamol, like Calpol, which I can't remember what they call it in America, but they call it something else. But it's the same thing. It's like the infant paracetamol. Now, this is an eight-week baby that's only had milk. Like, oh, and some toxins now. Um, now, on the bottle of that, <clears throat> from the manufacturer, it says three months and up. Three months old and up. But the doctor will tell you, yeah, yeah. well, that happens all the time with vaccines. The temperature will grow up. They'll scream the place down. They call it the vaccine scream. Well, we know what the vaccine scream is now. It's the swelling of the brain. That's why they're screaming. Um but if something's not okay to give an eight-week-year-old the day before its immunisations, why is it okay to give it <clears throat> on the day it has its immunisations? It's either for someone who's three months old and up or it's not. So they know what's going on here. They, like, oh, it's just a normal reaction. Well, it's a reaction then, isn't it? Oh, all babies have them. So they're all being harmed in some way then, are they? The vaccine scream. <laughs> and you speak to these parents, you speak to any parent when they're, when, and all babies do this, it's a different cry. It's a completely different cry and you can't do anything to console. Um, some of these babies survive this and, well, most of them do. Most of them pull through this and and that's that until the next vaccine and then that same scream that you don't hear any other time. You You'll never hear it any other time. It's back again. So <clears throat> her health gets worse and worse and worse. Can you just <clears throat> um, say what symptoms she was showing then, other than the screams, if you're saying well, it's getting worse she, and worse? She was, she was screaming um, that evening, but at this stage I'm like, oh, well, it's normal. Great. Give her the cow pole. She was, like, spitting that up. And and then so after after this first night... The second day comes along and I'm like, something's not right now. Now she's not feeding. Now she's being sick all the time. Like, this isn't right. So I take it, I phone the doctors up and and he's like, mm, give it another day. It's just the vaccine. She's reacting to the vaccine. He said she's reacting to the vaccine. <laughs> like all babies do. So I'm like, well, doctors know what they're doing. Like, I, I, you do what you're told when a doctor tells you something and you want everything to be all right. It's your inbuilt nature that you don't want anything to be wrong with your child. You you get told by everyone, oh, you're overreacting. You're, you know, you're a new mum. And, and yeah, you do overreact. But then the next day comes along and I'm like, nah, there is something so badly wrong. So I take it down to the doctor's Um they're like, mm, yeah, <clears throat> no, just she's all right. Just keep up with the cow pole. Now, I can't, I'll never remember what reason it is. There was some reason this is now day three or four. I had to go to an appointment for work 
because we're working together. Now, I've been kind of like home home at that stage anyway with Charlotte. I was still going to the office. We were, well, she was office baby. We were all laughing because like, even my customers and that, like, oh, Jesus, you back at work already. And I was like, yeah, office baby, you know. There's loads of people here for baby jigging. It doesn't have to be just me, you know. And I was like, I so wanted to get her a matching work suit. You know, this was how I was. Like, oh, we can do all of it. Um, but there must have been a client that I had that that I needed to go and see. So so he he had her that day, the ex. Well, the now ex. Um, and it, he called me and he said, um, I've taken I've taken Charlotte to the doctors. Um, and we're, he's told us to go to Winchester Hospital. Was there something that triggered him to take us to the doctors I th- it that was, day? I think, I think the because he hadn't seen as much of this every time she was taking a tiny bit of milk, then like she wasn't just throwing up a bit of milk. It was just like stuff you'd never seen before, like the, the bottom of her poor little tummy. Mm. And, and it, you just couldn't do anything with her. Um, mm. So it's... I then, whatever I'm doing gets dropped or I'm driving back anyway. I can't remember. That that day, I just don't, because that's so inc- insignificant, I don't know where I was or who I was with. It was like, um, so then I, I go straight to Winchester Hospital. I think I got my sister maybe to come and collect Sam from school. I can't remember, but or a neighbour, someone would have. We were lucky with our neighbours and that. They were really good friends. Um, so I went to Winchester and no one knew what, what the problem was. It's all over a medic. I think they were lining me up in that hospital to say that I'd killed her. I think they knew what was going to happen because they were writing in the notes that I was some like weird, weird woman who, who was claiming the vaccines were, were the cause of this. And I, when you read what's in her nose, you can see there's a little pattern forming here because we were both saying this. She was perfectly all right. But it's like the mother said this and the mother said that. One of them on, one of the nurses on, because of course Winchester Hospital, like as it progresses, I think they knew what was going to happen. And so she's there. She's there overnight. They, they. What day is this now? Oh, this is since the vaccines. This is day four now. She's there overnight on day four. Um, we're now taking it in turns. So I think I stayed the first night. Day five, he stayed. Like we're sort of swapping because Sam's only five years old. You, you know, he's only a little tiddler and he's worried sick. He's he's like so traumatized. Um. Day six, they send her home. Oh, she's fine. Everything's fine. I was like, everything's not fine because she's lost even more weight. She's still not feeding. She's losing weight. No, no, she's just a difficult feeder. Like trying trying to get bottle feeding this way and that way. And it was like, well, it's kind of like on reflection, why was I listening to him? Because I did know what was going wrong here from day one. So any mother that tells me they don't know how they knew, but they knew what was going on, I believe them 100%. I, I do because there was something and no mother wants their child to be ill. Like so for all, all the weeks prior to the vaccines, she was feeling she was fine. fine. <clears throat> she was but fine. all of a sudden, now she's a difficult feeder. Yeah, now she can't. Them. Yeah, now she she just doesn't like. There there was talk of does she have like a cleft palate? And I was like, no, she like tongue tight. No, like she isn't any of these things. And no, of course not. Um, 
So she doesn't get any better. They send her home. I'm not having it. I take her back again. And I'm like... This is day six, you take her back. Day, yeah, day six, I take her back again. And she's there day seven. She's there day seven. Yeah, she's there overnight day seven. We bring her home day eight and get told, oh, she's perfectly all right. Just bring her back to the well baby clinic at 10 o'clock on the Sunday. And so at this stage, my mum and my sister are like worried sick. And and like, so we've been telling them, oh, it's fine because the doctors are telling us it's fine. He's a really well, well respected paediatrician. I mean, he kept telling me he was. Well, he wasn't as it turned out. But, but, um, so my mum and my sister had come down from, they lived like Essex way. And so they'd come down. It was going to be like this big roast dinner. Yay, you know, welcome the patient home because no one's hardly seen her anyway because of the distance kind of thing. Um, And so I'm cooking roast dinner. The house is absolutely rammed with kids. Sam's got half the street in. Um, My my ex has got his boys round. I mean, the dog was there. Like, oh, oh, it was just like neighbours. It was a house full of kids. And... So because she's difficult with the feeding and I'm just about to serve dinner up and all the rest of it, Charlotte, she was quiet that morning. When she came, when she came, like before she went for a well baby checkup and when she came back, she was peaceful. We thought that was a good sign. It really wasn't. Um Sorry, take your time. This is why radio is easier, isn't it? <laughs> um, <sighs> I can't even speak either. I'm, honestly, I'm speechless. Right, let's sort ourselves out here. <laughs> oh, God. Everybody is, like, going to be clicking off now, aren't they? <sighs> Madman has lost the plot. You're fine. No, you're absolutely fine. People completely understand the need to take a breather. Right, let's get this worst bit over, otherwise none of this is going to be coherent, is it? Oh, God. All right, so um, he goes to feed her upstairs, and this is my idea. There was nothing sinister in this. I say it's chaos downstairs, because she had a little sofa in her bedroom next to her cot. I'm like, feed her upstairs. My mum's got the arse because she wanted to feed her. Like my, my mum has this tendency to take everything personally <laughs> anyway. I think it's a God-given right, isn't it? Yeah, I'll bring on the menopause, then I can start behaving like that to my children. Um, like so, so um, I've said no because we've got this. You've got a feeder like this, and oh, it was just bizarre. Um, and so I say because it's quiet, because it's chaos here, and we're like setting the table up next to the big table for for now the eight thousand kids that all want a roast dinner as well. And um, I just hear him. I hear him shout, and it was just a tone in his voice and I just like shot up the stairs and he's like she's stopped breathing she's stopped breathing and I could see she was going blue like her mouth was going blue well I've like absolutely lost my mind like I listened to that 999 call I wasn't the language coming out my mouth was disgusting so I'm trying to resuscitate her um, I should have known how to do this, but this is so different when it's your own because you're in panic. You can't, you, you can't think. So I'm like screaming at my mum, screaming at him. Get the phone, call an ambulance. 
I knew I wasn't doing this right. I knew I wasn't doing this right. So now I'm screaming, go and get Jenny. And Jenny was our neighbour and I knew that she'd recently done a first aid course. So poor Jenny gets dragged into this and traumatised. Um, then poor Jenny runs around. I can't remember, my sister had gone and got her. Um, she's now taken over from me. I can hear the ambulance. They can't find our house. I'm going mad. Like, like, are they? Like, emergency doctor then turns up, like first responder, and he lived just in the village down the road. And you could see he was just having a normal Sunday because he's in his, like, granddad jumper and slacks, you know, kind of wasn't expecting this disaster. Um, he's literally run up our stairs three at a time. And you could tell, he he knew what was going to happen here. There was going to be no good result, but he he managed to get a very slight heartbeat back, very slight, and then the ambulance came and we went to Winchester Hospital. And then then the accusation started instantly. Um, We got to to the hospital, um, and obviously... Well, this was another thing. In the hospital, they didn't even have anybody who could... um, because she was, she's a neonate, she's only like eight, eight. well, now she's n- just nine weeks old. Um, you, They didn't have people there that were specialised, even to, like, intubator and stuff like that. Everybody was struggling, like, um, anaesthetists and stuff like that. They were having to call them up and get them in. So there was huge delays at the hospital. But I, I do blame the hospital, but I don't blame the poor sods that were there that day. Um, because knowing what I know now, there was going to be no good outcome for Charlotte. Whatever they'd done there, we've got about 25 minutes has passed since she stopped breathing um, okay, as much so as... You, you got to the hospital and um, do you get access to Charlotte or is she yeah, in no, some she, like intensive care um, thing? Or? She, she's in like um, accident and emergency. Uh, accident so she's emergency. in like the crash room. So we're in the crash room as well. So they're tr- resources trying to keep everything. They're trying to get her back kind of thing. Um, and the heartbeat's there. So they're pumping her with drugs and like, I don't know what they're doing. Um, I'm not sure they knew what they were doing either. Um, through no fault of their own. Well, I, I mean, the guy who tried to intubate her, he was a trainee. And you said they were pumping her with drugs. Yeah, I think, what, I, do you know I don't even know, like, off the top of my head, the, the notes from what happened on the crash team, like, are just all over the place. So it's really difficult to try and even make sense of them. Because, um, well, conveniently, I think, because what, what were there all perfectly was her CT scan and her MRI scan, which showed this subdural hematoma. Which means what? Um, brain bleed. So, um, and then and then they say they've found loads of fractures on her. And we know what's it. Well, we didn't know. I was like, what? You haven't got the right baby here. What the fuck are you going on about? Yeah. Like, she's been in your hospital. Well, and then I'm like, well, if anything's happened to her, it's happened in this hospital. And is that why you've been trying to get rid of her when she's still been losing weight? Like, I'm like, don't, like, nothing's happened to her with me. If something's happened, it's happened here. Good for you. Um, And, like, and, it, and then, ta-da, we're now the child abusers. 
Um, okay, so from that moment in the hospital then... Well, I heard Dr. Antonio, who was the paediatrician who discharged a load of time saying she was perfectly all right, and the one who had seen her like literally three hours before she stopped breathing around our house, because she got home at about 11 o'clock on that Sunday. Uh, we were resuscitating her by two. So it was that smaller window. And so he was... I. So they wanted I'd something to happen at your house. I think so. So they could yeah, be completely so it wasn't out of the on their watch. Yeah, that's. I honestly believe that. I honestly believe that because there are latent periods with these vaccine reactions, and it, if it's going to have a catastrophic event, it either usually happens within the first seventy-two hours, but most definitely within ten days. And we were on day nine. And so they couldn't, she was like a hot potato. They didn't want that happening because can you imagine like if that had happened and say what, we weren't even there when that happened. Say we were downstairs getting a coffee or something like that and a nurse is in there. Well, who would have got the blame? It would have looked pretty bad for Winchester Hospital. How long are they trying to resuscitate her for? Um, well, they've, they've, they're, 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 the heartbeat's back, like faint heartbeat. So the heartbeat's back, but she's not breathing on her own. She never breathes on her own again. So she, um, so so once once she's being breathed for now by a machine. So that's when they do the MRI and all the rest of it. Um, it's clear they don't, they can't do anything. Um, so then they say she's been there probably about two hours at this stage and then she's going to Great Ormond Street um, they wouldn't let us go in the ambulance so you and your husband now are in panic mode she's going to Great Ormond Street yeah we get a taxi they there but you get a taxi there how how far a journey is that oh it, it took forever well the thing is we got there before the ambulance did like, and you'd think it would be blue lights and vroom, get it there as quick as it was. We're in taxi and we get there first. And it's like, well, where is she? Where is she? Um, so by the time she gets there, it's like two and a half hours. And the roads weren't busy. We knew they weren't busy because we'd just been on we'd just been on on the same road. We'd been up the M3. We knew. We knew. Um, How long did it take you to get there? About an hour and 40 minutes, something like that. And it so took they were, them so they over were running, two and a half They were running hour. about 45 minutes behind yeah. them. And no one knows if they had to stop or, like, but I, he, uh, we had a taxi man, you know, and he was hardly rushing. Like, he was quite traumatised by what was going on as well. It's like, all the people <sighs> to pick up, uh, like, hospital pickups have got to be bad at the best of time. But Christ, he didn't expect that. So you get there. And you're well, told she's, she's not, not even there. And I was like, well, so how does that make you then? feel then? Well, I was like, well, where is she? Yeah. Like, have you sent her to Southampton? Like, if they give us the wrong bloody... Like, because now I'm like, this is just, like, ridiculous. Where is she? And then eventually someone goes, oh, no, she's, she's, we're just, you know, getting her ready. And I'm like, ready for what? Like, ready for what? And never did really find that out. So then she gets bought, to, bought into, like, a little room. And... It's clear what's going to happen, and with within was it two days? Yeah, within two days we had to turn life support off. Oh Jesus Christ! Um, when you said it's clear what's going to happen, does that mean that there was just a bad 
it was all around bad, everything that was being indicated. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, um, the emergency doctor, actually, who'd been around the house, he'd stayed, like, in the house because, obviously, we've got a house full of kids. And, thank God, my mum and my sister was there. Yeah, otherwise, poor Sam would have been dragged in the ambulance as well. I mean, like, it was bad enough what they witnessed anyway. Um, so, like, my mum and my sister were at the house um, when we left initially, and the emergency doctor like that first responder that had come from Wickham, like the little village down the road, um, he'd pretty much told them, like, you're, there's, like, like 1% chance here. Like, but we didn't know that. You only found out after two days at, at Great Almond Street. That that's what he'd said to my mum and my sister, yeah. Well, because we, we got, um, once we turned life support off, well, it was it was a criminal investigation while she was in Great Ormond Street. It was a criminal investigation from the moment um, we phoned 999 pretty much. Um, when I when we were at Winchester, I, I think I'd had my first experience of a panic attack. I wasn't quite sure if it was a heart attack. And I'd walked out to try and get some air. Um, and as I walked back in, the guy who'd done the MMR was talking to this Dr. Antonio who discharged her all them times. And he was saying, fucking hell, in hell, someone's going to lose their effing job over this. And I was like, yeah, but everything else is going on. My daughter's like, like, and I was like, did I just hear that right? And I know that I did because that was the last thing that was on my mind, someone losing their job. So I didn't make it up. Um, I heard it and quite right. Someone probably should have lost their job over that. And from that moment on, it was a police investigation. Our house is a crime scene. My mum and my sister and Sam were put up. Well, Sam was taken away. Um, he was given to to his dad, um, like, from previous relationship because, like, now I'm a risk to children. What? Like, are you kidding me? And I didn't know any of it. All of this was going on. Like, we had no idea. My neighbours have, like, gone mad at the police because they won't let anyone in to feed the dog or the cat. Um... And so, like, they've gone, well, we've got keys, so I'm going in there anyway. Like, and, and it was just, it was just madness. It was just absolute madness. So when they said that the, the life support has to go off, did they give you a cause of why it had to go off at that point? No. Or were they just thinking of reasons to blame you? Um, well, it was, it was it was strange because there was one uh, nice doctor there called Dr. Petra and then she was whisked off. We never did see her again because she said to us, she said, like she said to us before anyone else did, this, there isn't any hope. Um, you need to prepare yourselves. And I was like, what? Sweet, how do you know that? Well, of course they did know that. There was no brain activity. They knew that. I like. So, um, so all of this is going on. So my mum and my sister have been interrogated by the police. They've been put up in a hotel. Um, where just like the scumbags in Great Ormond Street, where the child abusers, you know. But we don't know why everybody's acting so weird. Um. We comes out um, of 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 the um, like room, and the coppers are there. Like, uh, get yourselves down East Eastley um, Police Station first thing in the morning. 
We're like, Eastley, what, what's going on here? Um, and he phoned up his solicitor, like my, my now ex, he phoned up his solicitor and, and said, can you, like, phone them up? And the police were going, we are treating this very, very seriously. So, like, he, he gets his solicitor to phone whoever this policeman is um, and and they say, well, if you, you, he, he speaks to them and says, well, if you don't, if they don't turn up the first thing in the morning, then they're both getting arrested. And I, I was like, what for? Like, and when we, when we, when we turned up at the police station, like they split us off. And I was like, I, I've just, what? I have not even processed what's gone on here. You must have been and in, was like, in shock yeah. from what happened at Almond Street and then to, double shock. Well, hearing this at, from the go, police to go at the police station and I was like like here, here I am kind of thing and they're like we're arresting you on the suspicion of murder and I was like if, and I was thinking of what what the fuck what's going on here so like, we end up both of us we get arrested for this is it murder and GBH or something like that um so we're there two days. I'm there two days. But so you were only actually one arrested. Yeah. For suspicion of murder. Murder and GBH. Um. So I was in there all day, one night, and then the following all day. Um. And to be honest, I don't even know why they went through the motions of that because it was obvious they were going to blame it on him because he was the last one that had her. Who? Uh, my my like like my ex because they've got us both there and and this is what they do the last person who has that baby is the one who gets blamed for it which makes sense as to why when we read her notes I'm the one that comes across as like this nutter she's blaming the vaccine she's saying this she's saying that because yeah Laura of averages says with an eight week old baby who's going to be there more than the dad who's going to be at work and all the rest of it and who's going to be feeding the baby well it's going to be mum like so of course I'm the one in the notes that's written like like dog shit that gets them off the hook then yeah well of course yeah of course so what was it like being at the police station oh, it was awful it, it was like the I mean Eastleigh police station is about the oldest police station in Hampshire and it was like proper dungeons and I, I think my body had kind of like gone into shock, and I'd got my first period after having having Charlotte. So that was like, ugh, thanks, body. You, but I think it was just all the trauma, and um, they were just being such assholes. Like they wouldn't even give me sanitary products and stuff like that. And it was just like, you can, what? So I had a really good solicitor. Um, she was she wasn't any expensive solicitor, but she was she she was a really nice woman. And I was like, and I I'd said to her, and she's like, okay, I sort this out, and like, and she was like, right, she she needs to go to the bathroom, like, and I, and I was like, I'm not going to the bathroom with you standing outside with no door on it. You're like, no way, not in a million years. And my sister was like, for Christ's sake, where's she gonna go? Like, do me a favour here. So they actually let us use, like, their, like, whatever loo that was. But it was just, like, stupid things like that. It, it was like there was no need for it. Um, during, I found, I, I subsequently found out, because it's in transcripts and that anyway, um, they they were playing us off against each other as well. But it wasn't working because, fortunately, I was very clear what was going on here and it wasn't what they were saying. And I'm thinking, like a fool, this is all going to go away because they're going to find out there was something wrong with her. 
Look, you're, like, you're trusting in the police at this point, even though no, nasty I'm trusting. To you. I'm trusting in like the fact that it was obvious there was going to be a like a post mortem done, and I, I'm trusting in the fact that I know no one's done anything here, and there'll be some test that they do, and it'll be oh my god, she had this, and we couldn't have possibly known. That's what's like. That's in my head because what else could it be? Um, but they were playing this awful game because at some stage they turn around to they turn around to to um, my ex and they they actually in the interview they go yeah um, it's just come up that there's a little question possibly about paternity mm. and it was like oh, welcome to the cheap seats L- like but I didn't know mm. they were telling him this and they were telling me thing and I was like but. It didn't. It didn't work because, and he was like, even in his transcripts, he's like, "Yeah, all right, then fuck off." Like, like Good wrap, yeah, wrap it up. We, we, I'd come from London, didn't know a single person in Hampshire, and we worked together, lived together, and our friends were together. So if we did have any sort of social life, we were all together anyway. Um, so like, but they wouldn't have known this at this stage. They didn't know what what kind of existence we had. Um. So is, your, is there a point where your lawyer is telling you not to speak to the police anymore? Nope. Okay. No, nope, she just said, tell it how it is, because like, I think she knew this is going to be a medical trial anyway. Okay. And he's probably going to... She didn't look surprised when they let me out and charged him. I mean, she, she was brilliant, because on the way back, um, she drove me home, because he'd driven me there, and they wouldn't let me have his car keys to drive back. So it's like, thanks. So that had to be sorted out another day with the spare. Um, when you first heard that he had been charged, what went through your head? Um, I I just knew. I was like, this is a huge mistake. I was like, you're not, you're not, you, you know, you're going to, I said to the policeman, I said, you're going to knock on my door one day and you're going to say you're sorry for all of this. And he, went, he sort of sniggered and he went, hmm, unlikely. Really? Well, do you realise how true that was? <laughs> you know, when did the police ever apologise for yeah. anything? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but this was the thing. At this stage, I was so naive as to how bad this country is that I thought I had all faith. If you've done nothing wrong, you've got nothing to be frightened of. And that's how normal people, until they're dropped in a mountain of light, like purgatory that you don't realise. If you've got money in this country, you can be as guilty as sin and buy yourself innocent. You can equally, through lack of funds, buy yourself guilty and be completely innocent. And and it's just, for me, this was a huge shock. It it Over them years, well, it's still shocking now, but now I, I just, I'm used to it and I, I expect it to be corrupt and, and filthy which it is, it is corrupt and filthy. Um, but yeah, I just think, well, something's going to come out in the pathology, like this is all going to be a big mistake. There were still test results like that were waiting, that I didn't know at that time, that were waiting to come back from Winchester. So they'd said there was nothing wrong with her without even having the results of some of the tests. So if he's been charged then with murder, does he have to then go to a court date and get a bail set? It was and... it was the following day. The following day, yeah. Oh God! Now I've been now. Um, oh no, that's what happened. I was on bail for two days. What was your bail? Uh, GBH. I mean, did you have to um, post an amount of money for bail? No. 
Okay. No, like um, I think they didn't know what they were going to do with me, so they were buying themselves a couple of days. Yeah. So they let me out, and they said, "Right, we're bailing you, like for for until further notice, kind of thing." Okay. And then within two days, they'd clearly got onto the CPS about all this, and they was like, <laughs> "Get that GBH off of her, and as far away from her as it can possibly be, because we're going to force her to be a prosecution witness." So now I'm a prosecution witness. I'm not even knowing what's going on. So then, so he's in he's in the police station. So then he's got to go to court at Portsmouth Magistrates Court because it always starts in the magistrates and then it goes to Crown, doesn't it? So I've now got allocated the world's most stupidest woman as a family liaison officer who who's telling me about drink drivers and shit like that from the night before and I'm just looking at her and I said do you seriously give a f- do you think I give a fuck how bad your evening was last night because I can assure you it's fucking shitter here <laughs> just stop speaking stop speaking and she did stop speaking well done <laughs> and she did stop speaking <laughs> to the point that I was thinking I'm quite tough mentally <laughs> she's a policeman and I, and I think this was the, this was the point I actually turned into quite an angry lady <laughs> and, and I was justifiably like, so I, I, I'm now like you've just wrecked my life if you um, don't stand up for yourself nobody yeah, is going to do it like, for you yeah and it was like my daughter's dead you've banged my husband up so we go to the magistrate's court and and I'm t- it's a formality isn't it so I go anyway um there's loads of press there so I'm hiding for quite a while so the media um please don't their angle police told them that you're baby killers that's yep. the media angle um he is not me but just that he is, he is okay yeah yeah so so um yeah they instantly they it, um actually that following morning that following morning, after I'd been let out, and my lovely solicitor actually sat with me in the house and sunk two bottles of wine with me, and she ended up leaving a car at mine and getting a taxi back to her own house because <laughs> it was so awful, the last 48 hours with me. Um, and that morning, um, when when I got up, knowing that I had to, well, no one slept anyway, probably like eventually slept about an hour, and I'd gone up and got a shower, and there was like little cards from the press through my door, so they knew that night. Like, they were there first thing in the morning. So, before we get to the reaction of the public to the press, what happened in court? Well, what happened in court is, like, that it was just, like, murder, okay, over to the Crown Court, you're not getting bail, um, which they can't give bail on a charge like that, can they, the magistrate? That's It's only the Crown Court, I think, on a murder, like, suspicion of murder charge, they can do that. Um, so, I think... It was a couple of days. See, now this is where that whole two-day thing comes into it. This whole two days I was on bail for GBH. Because then on when it went to Crown, I'm now a prosecution witness. Like, so two days later. So so you found out two days later you're a prosecution witness. Well, they tell you. You have and, to and be. And did you wonder what that meant at the time? Because the legal vernacular is confusing for someone who's new to the, to the, the court system. Um... Well, I did. I, it was made very because I think they've established at this stage that I'm not going to roll over here. So, so they're making their situation clear. So you've agree, you, I, you're not going to cooperate as a prosecution witness. You've made no, that. I, I just said. To, I, I've said to him like, you've made a huge mistake. Like, go away. Like, just just leave me alone because I know when the pathology comes back. Like, I'm still saying you're going to feel so bad. 
you're going to you're going to feel bad that you take salary to do this to people like i'm so cross with them um so now i'm prosecution witness and they said they make it in no uncertain terms i have no choice like there there was a change in the law where around that time actually where you could force a partner or a wife to be a prosecution witness against their other half prior to that you couldn't force someone to do that so I had a big thing with the judge over a period of time with various judges. And I was like, I don't want to be anyone's witness. I don't want to be his witness. I don't want to be the police's witness. I am getting torn apart here. Like, this one's saying this, this one's saying that. Like, can't I be the judge's witness? Can't I be your witness? No, it doesn't work like that. And I'm like, why doesn't it work like that? Because you should be as impartial as me here. You should be. And you think, well, those guidelines, the police won't possibly cross over those guidelines. Cross over them? They were Cossack dancing up and down them, sliding along. Like, <laughs> they were most definitely crossing the rules in, in, in all of it. But it went on years. So he gets bail eventually after a couple of months. OK, before we get to that, if the media now are putting stories out saying he's a baby killer... I imagine that's going to cause a reaction from the public against you guys, like your neighbours are keeping their kids away from you or things like that. No. We were so we were so lucky because where where we lived, um, it was a tiny little cul-de-sac. There was only, what, maybe 10, 11, 12 houses, so tiny. And because, like, we, we all knew who was in the clothes, if the kids were playing on their go-cars and stuff like that, we used to have, like, um, park one of the cars at the bottom of the road so they can hurtle up and down because anyone coming in that little close lives there or knows there's kids everywhere and that's why we parked the car there so no one can swerve in and catch one of them on their bikes because they were all little ones. They weren't teenagers. They were little kids. And... Um, so our neighbours, no problems at all. In fact, one of my neighbours nearly ended up getting arrested himself for um, like pretty much like having a press person who was harassing me outside, well, hiding in a bush. I mean, you can't make it up when they say the press hiding bushes. They were hiding in mm. bushes. I mean, they really were. Mm. Um, and he had one of them up against my garage and, and, was, and I'm like, no, we don't like, please. Let's not let's not give him a photo here, like and and he was not off and he sort of scurried off of my drive because he's trespassing for a start. They were on my driveway, but it got to the stage I used to have a game with them because what they want, they want because it went on years, it went on years and years. They'd be out there and it'd be pouring of rain, and they won't go, and I'd just be laughing. So I'd take a little tray out. With cups of coffee and stuff like that <laughs> and a little pot of milk and sugar because the picture they don't want of me uh. is the one coming out, like the tea lady. <laughs> and I'm like, just pop it back on the tray when you've finished. You, you know, like while you're getting rained on, you idiots. Because the picture they want is the one of me hiding my son's face or the one of me crying or the one of me covering my face. And they didn't get that. I mean, the days when, when they were really bad, like chasing, they're dangerous. They, they're dangerous because they'll chase you in your car and all sorts of things. And, and because you're stressed anyway, like it's dangerous what they do. Um, but, I mean, it got to the stage, because we had the company, there was lots of different cars in the company, so they know I've got a BMW and they know what his car is because I was swapping between the two at that stage. Well, they've clocked that. 
Well, it was hilarious because I ended up having more outfits and disguises than Salman Rushdie. <laughs> and most days I was driving an engineer battered up car or a van or, or you know, the Mondeo or, or whatever it was on the days where I couldn't put up with them. But they just want those, the, the, the picture where you've got an evil look on your face or something like that. There was one of the, one of the hearings that we had and he'd got out on bail at this stage. He didn't stay out on bail for all the way through because he breached his bail one time but, and ended up in Belmarsh because he's so dangerous <sighs> from Hampshire to Belmarsh. And you just can't make it up. Mm. They wanted us badly, and I don't know why. Um, but there was there was one, one of the court appearances, and this is how low the press are. Now, I know that I had my laptop bag with me and we'd both walked in for one of these hearings because I'm still walking in with him. All right, we're not allowed to live in the same house. We're not. He's not allowed to see the kids and stuff like that. But as far as everybody is concerned, well, we were still spending a lot of time together because trying to work through all this mess. Um, there's one of the pictures. We're walking into Winchester Court for a hearing and they've they, he's took my laptop, carried my laptop for me. Well, he's the bloke. He should be doing that, you know. He's got all his shit in it anyway. I'm just carrying it. Um, and but what they've done is they've photoshopped out that laptop bag and put like a big holder in it, and then they used that image during the trial, like he's gone to court with a prison bag. I was like, we don't even own that. And I was like, are we just and and like in the newspaper, it was like. Oh, and they had David Lloyd gym membership and a BMW. There was one photo they also done where they'd photoshopped out a bush and made our house look like it was our next door neighbour's house as well to make us look extra middle class. Like, you know... And so what, what is so bad about having a David Lloyd gym membership and it a nice It just car? made us look really spoiled, didn't it? It was mm. like, yeah, the Daily Mail. Like, the Daily Mail were the worst out of all of them. Mm. Um, uh, there's there's a thing I can tell you about. See, this, this could go on for like three weeks, this interview. There was one of the court days. Uh, I didn't go to all of them. Well, because most of them I couldn't go. Well, half of them I couldn't go to because I was a prosecution witness. But prior prior to that, um, there there was a time. Uh, no, after I'd given my evidence, there was a time that I'd gone because there was like loads of sort of like buzzing that something was going to happen on this particular day. As it turned out, jackal happened on that particular day. But my friend had come down from London because I didn't like to go to court on my own because of getting mugged by the press and like you don't know who's in that public gallery whether they're going to think because I had I had death threats and all sorts through the post because of what was in the press Mm -hmm. and it's unbelievable that someone can write your name and Hampshire and it finds its way through your door and it's a death threat Um, equally he's on the Nazis wing in prison by now so Did did he get attacked or anything before that? No I was paying them (laughs) like the money that was going in and like because everything's currency isn't it so like i'd um it got out of belmarsh by this stage oh because the trial was on so they've moved him from belmarsh now to winchester prison um because obviously it's closer for where the trial's going to be um but but it was bizarre because it was like socks you couldn't send enough socks into Winchester Prison. It was like... So you're saying that he was um, 
paying for protection. I think so. Because he had such a serious charge yeah, in the eyes and, of the prisoners. Yeah, well, no. Um, what happened in Belmarsh was he just went in as a prisoner that wasn't going to say what he was in there for and was on normal population in Belmarsh. Um, and then, oddly enough, one of the police went to Belmarsh prison and then, oh, everyone found out what his charge was. So then he's put in, like, the Nazis wing, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and, and some of them have been in there a very long time. He, you, you know... Um, it, it was just horrible because um, clearly one of his cellmates, I don't, I can't remember whether this was in Belmarsh or Winchester, um, one of his cellmates has clearly written my address down and telephone number. And I'm getting these fuckers when they're getting out, turning up at my house. No. <laughs> writing to me, writing for stuff. And, all, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So, so I'd gotten rid of, shit family liaison officer i'd got rid of her because i was like serious i'd gone to new zealand for a month that's um i think oh, the march i think i went away for a month just to repair and sort sam out um and so i'd sacked her when i left and i wouldn't have a family liaison officer and then i ended up having to use an email address for some copper to find out what was going on while i was away um and I ended up with this copper, um, James Park, as my family liaison officer. And that's a whole more disgusting behaviour. Um, Can you give an example? Oh yeah, he was. He was. He was. When he was away in prison, um, he was like, "Oh, I've got something to tell you with the case and stuff like that. Meet here, meet here. Oh, try and ply us with drink and all sorts of stuff." No. Yeah, and oh, the police were the best drink drivers I've ever known. Like, like they really are, aren't they? Because they've got the little playing light tickets on on their number plates, haven't they? So they never get a spin. Like liability or what? So you're saying that the cop who was liaising my family liaison, the only person who's making advances towards you. Oh, he absolutely did because this went. I mean, it went on for years and years. Like, did so, he, did, can you remember anything he said that may have been suggestive? Oh. Well, one the very first text message he sent me, um, my ex was out on bail at that stage, and he was actually, Sam must have been at school, and he was around the house, because we've now got to pay for two houses. This is like a huge money pit situation here, and the company's failing. And you're paying for lawyers. Lawyers, like, like well, and the press are killing the business. Oh, Barclays Bank, we'd banked with them for so many years. As soon as that went in press, now he's in prison at this stage. So I'm, I'm, I've got a company now I've got to run on my own. I've got a family I've got to run on my own. I've got a daughter I've got to grieve for. I've got a court case I've got to fight for. Barclays Bank turn up and they say, we're pulling your overdraft and your reserve account. I then have to go to my own personal bank because this is nearly Christmas. We're talking like she, she died in December. So I have to go and beg a personal loan from my private bank just to be able to pay the, the staff wages. Mm. And it was like, uh, anything else, cruel world? Mm. And it was like, <laughs> karma gets people though because this guy, this bank manager who'd done this, he, he left the bank in the end um, and he bought a pub in the villages and they have this horse fair where all the gypsies come down in Wickham and the police tell everybody all the pubs just close don't open 
because it'll get smashed up and we're not turn, we're not turn, we're not turning up for it. You're on your own. Oh, this guy, he thinks he knows better, doesn't he? He's got his little village pub. He won't close because he's going to lose a few bob. Uh, yep. The gypsies come. They sort their differences out in his pub, and the place looks like <laughs> it looks like a nuclear bomb's gone off in it. That what they haven't nicked, they've smashed to pieces. Oh, and I was like. Karma. Kidding of having to a nicer chap. I am so not sorry. Um, so how did you get this slimy police uh, person off your case? Well, I didn't really. Because um, the weird thing is, these are mind games that they play. And it's only on reflection when you're out of a situation you can see what the agenda was. Because um, th- the very first text message he sent me my my um my my partner read um my my things because these are when we got the old Nokia phones, isn't it? And um, it's bleeped on the windowsill. Now I've never had to hide text messages from anybody I've ever been in a relationship with. If I don't want to be with you, you're gone. That that's it. And I'm no sneaking around. So he's seen that it's got James Park. It's come up on my phone. So I've not got no key lock or anything on my phone. Like. He's opened it and gone mad. And he's like, why are you talking to the police? I was like, "Uh, why am I prosecution witness? I like, don't have a go at me. I'm stuck with them. I am stuck with them. I can't. You don't understand what this is like. You know it from your side. I know it from your side, my side and their side. And I'm stuck in the middle. And I said, anyway, what does it say? And he says, it says, it was lovely to talk to you today. You're utterly compelling company. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's why he's got me. And I was like, fucking hell, why did he write that? And I was, so this was very early on, but because this takes four years to get to trial, I've now got a friendship with this guy who's in my ear every day because we've had six trials start and stop. So that that in its six trials started and stopped. Yeah. Let's 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 build up to the first trial then. Uh, first one, um, trying to what was the ah the first one was because I'd found I'd found that they took a skin sample from Charlotte. Um, in Great Ormond Street, because I remembered it. I've got a good memory, which is really unfortunate if you're trying to roll me over, like, because I've remembered it. And and I was going on and on. What about that test? What about that test? Like, why? Because I'd kicked off in the hospital. I'd said, don't do this. It's obvious what's going to happen here. Like, I feel you're treating her like a lab rat. You, you know, don't do that. And they said, oh, no, they've got to be alive to do it. It's like... Brutal or what, you know, bedside manner, thank you. Um, but we never had the result from this test. So I'd found a doctor. Well, I'd found lots by that stage because I'm not listening to these doctors. I'm not listening to the police doctors because they both want to win. The truth is not going to be found here. I, I knew that. I, I knew the truth was not going to be found because it's an adversarial system. So this lot want to beat this lot. Who gives a shit about the truth? No one cares about Charlotte. This is big money. This is good publicity for all the barristers and solicitors involved. Like, you, you know, this, this, everyone's winning here. So I wouldn't let it go, like, about this test. And I'd managed to get in, in my partner's head enough 
about this test that they've asked, where's this result? So this trial is supposed to be starting, I think, the following Monday or whenever. Uh, eventually, this question gets asked the Thursday before. And they have a hearing or something like that. Uh, so when you're saying this question is getting asked, it's getting asked to whom, by who? Um, eventually, his legals are now going to the CPS. Child Protective Service. No, 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 to Crown Prosecution Crown Service. Crown Prosecution Service. Yeah. So, so now, like, his legals are with police legals. So your his side is asking for the discover, where's this, discovery where's, where's it gone? from the opposite side, yeah, from where, the prosecutor. Yeah, where, where's, okay. this, where's the gotcha. result of this? Because gotcha. this was your pathologist, this was your, you know, your gang. Mm-hmm. You were responsible for that. So then it was like, oh, well, it doesn't exist. And it hadn't existed for quite a long time, apparently. Um, and then all of a sudden it did exist. So the trial stopped. Like, it, it was supposed to start on the Monday. This is now... Was it Monday morning? It was either late, late, late Friday night or Monday morning. Because the press were all outside my house. They're expecting it to kick off. They're expecting me to go. I wasn't going to go. And how <laughs> how was it determined that it, <clears throat> no, that it suddenly did exist? Uh, well, they said they found it in a freezer somewhere. <laughs> As you do, next to the fish fingers. You, you know, as you do, um, and then there, then then there was a load of. Um, I think they were like, "Crap, we don't want this tested." So then they're like, mm, "It's in a poor state; it can't be tested." And then it's like, "Well, then they're one to go. Well, let us try anyway. Let's. Well, no, the police are going to have to fly it to some lab in Belgium. They're the only ones that can test it." And then, like, and yeah, oh, it was just just a big game because I wanted um, even blood sample. I was like, we need a blood sample. I want a blood sample. I'm a mum. I have as much right. I want real doctors who don't have anything to earn here. I want my own test done because you're not testing for what I want to, to check for anyway, which would have been toxins. Um, and platelets being low because some of them were, and I'd read enough um, that some of them were. Um, they went, we didn't save any blood. It's a murder trial. You knew it was going to be a murder trial before she was even dead because you'd made my house a crime scene, and you're telling me you didn't save any blood. And I was like, well, where did it go? And they went down the sink. Lovely. But this is how they were with me the whole way through. If I would have been a good prosecution witness, my life would have been so much easier. It's like trying to get the Epstein video footage. It's just, it, it, none of it makes sense. Like, it's... <laughs> that has been making me... So, so in first, fact, first in my trial. miserable life, Sean, about the only thing that does make me laugh is the fact that you actually have got must have insomnia the same as me. Because if I, I, when I get up, I get up, showered, coffee, and then I go... Give it 10 minutes. There'll be an Epstein upload and it'll be like 10 past seven. And for me, it's feeling like well, lunchtime because I've been up since people five. People are giving me too much credit for my work ethic because so, these videos are scheduled. Oh, okay. I don't usually wake up. It's about eight or nine. I was going to say, if you're employed somewhere. with insomnia, you'll find we're really good work people because <laughs> like, we're always there. <laughs> so... First trial gets absolutely stopped yeah. because of the the sample. The sample might be there, might not might be there, not but be it, there. it does exist. Can we get it? Is it doesn't it, is exist. It? It's rubbish. It's not rubbish. Police have got to fly it. Then it's too damaged. Like I never found out what happened to that. No, that then got sort of forgotten along so the way. That sample never emerged. Never. No. 
I think it exists somewhere. Well, they probably well, it does. when they t- tested it, it probably gave a result that they didn't. They want. They didn't want, and it was yeah, in, your, probably, in your favor. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, so it, yeah. it disappeared. Yeah, accidentally on purpose. Like, yeah. damn it. Um, but so that was the first one. So did the judges say we have to reset a new trial now and, yeah, and set because, a new date? Yeah. Um, yeah. What did he do? Um, because a lot of this I didn't, I found out secondhand because things move fast and I've got a family, I've got a business that I'm trying to keep going because if the gravy train stops, which was the only employment income we had, the house was going to go, the business was going to go, everybody's jobs was going to go. So, like, I, I'm thinly spread here, like, really thin, and, and, and Sam's well-being as well because he knows everything's just been tipped on his head. He's only a little boy, a tiny boy. You know, what are you at five? It must have been so confusing, like, all of it. Um, so, so then there was another trial set, I think, for about six months after that. Because during this time, well, the judge must have been asking. I would have been asking, well, how long is it going to take to do this test? And we don't know. Uh, well, how long is it going to take for the results to come back? And then obviously the, the defence are going to want their experts to look at this and maybe like retest or like. And, and so I think they was like, right, six months in. <sighs> like six months. I thought this was going to be over. And is your husband... He's in Ow. prison. Oh, he's back no, in, he's prison. in prison. He's yeah, in prison. Yeah, he did get bail and then he breached his bail. And the reason that he breached his bail was because he'd come and see us. Mm, and that's got sad, isn't it? Yeah, and he'd got caught. Um, and, and as it turns out, they'd been staking my house. The police had been staking my house. Oh, like, they expecting wait to catch him, him, Expecting they? him to do it. So, like, on, I think it was something like 22 occasions he hadn't turned up at my house. And then the one time he does, and I think that was... There was a reason for it as well. It was probably like when boys was ill or something like that. It was it was probably me crying down the phone. You, you know, it could have been me. That, that, that policeman uh, who fancied you was probably out there with binoculars and couldn't wait to arrest your bloody husband. Yeah, well, as soon as he was off the scene, this was when, like, the James Park, you know, like, and, and he was always the one that would come, like, he'd phone me up. No, actually, one time on one of the trials that was supposed to be starting, this might have been the second or third one, um, cause I'd said to him now I'm relying on him a little bit because my family have gone to rag shit. My mum and my sister are not coping, like really not coping. They're down the doctors. They're taking like, rightly so they're taking antidepressants and stuff like that. I won't take anything because I need a clear head. Um, like, and obviously I, I'm protecting Sam. I'm protecting the company. Um, l- like I'm not, wanting to put my anxiety and worries on my neighbours or my friends or anything. I've got to be the strong one here. Um, And I was. Kept it all going. Um, But I'm using James Park because I don't care if I upset him. I don't care if I swear at him. I I don't care. He's paid. As far as I'm concerned, in their own early days... Tough shit, fella. You're getting paid, and if you're going to put up, if you can you can have my stinking mood because you've caused it, Hampshire Police. You've caused this, Winchester Hospital. So I don't have anyone else to be rude to, and put the phone down on. Like, so you're going to get it, and he put up with it. He, you know, he, there was nothing like no reaction, only kindness. Only kindness. And then he told me that he told me a thing, whether it was true or not, I don't know. He said, oh, well, I understand a lot of your reactions because actually my me and my ex, we lost a child as mm. well. Now, I don't know if that's true. Mm. If it was true, 
I don't think he should have been my family liaison officer. Mm, that's true. Be- because because surely we're a little going to be a little sensitive here and mm. a little because if you've watched your wife go through the grief of losing a child, I don't think you're really the right person to be doing this as your job. Or it could have been a big lie. You, you know, who who's going to know? So what happens you at know? trial two? Uh, trial two. What happened at trial two? Trial two, actually, was my... Um, trial two. Trial two was an expert not being available. One of yours or one of theirs? One of theirs. So that was another, yeah, trial two. Do you remember was, what he was an expert in? Uh, he was the neuropathologist, Jonathan Punt. <laughs> it's a P. <pee. laughs> um, um, so, so yeah, he wasn't available. Like, oh, man, I'm such a great a neuropathologist. I've only got six months notice here. So when is the delay now for the uh, next trial? Now, no one's available. So we've got an eight-month wait because now we've got problems with this side and this side. Um, now, uh, trial three stops because my ex has fallen out of his legal team. And I think the reason for this was they had no defence and their defence was going to be that i done it. He's never told me this, but I think that was the defence. Um so trial three, he ends up, it's his fault because the barrister goes to the judge and says he's professionally embarrassed, which basically means he's either not going along with the defence or he's confessed he's done it. Well, I don't, I don't in a million years think he confessed he'd done it because you'd be a moron if you, you had done it. Who's going to say? I wouldn't be before trial, would you? You'd need your very expensive silk there to be on your side. So I think their defence was pinning it on me. Trial four. What was trial four? Ah, trial four. Trial four was another medical expert. And this was really bad because I'd got experts now from... um, yeah, trial four was my experts. Trial four, I've now managed, because he's got different legals, and now he seems to be listening to what I'm telling him from these medical experts. They've got nothing to do, they're, they're my people. They're nothing to do with the police. They're nothing to do with he, his lot. Um, they're people that I, I've got in touch with independently, and I've managed to start extracting like medical medical records and stuff like that and sending them off in bundles like all around. So I trial four was the most interesting collapse out of all of them because these experts, there was two in America. There was Dr. Clemenson, Dr. Buttram in America. There was Dr. Calacarinos, who was in Australia, Dr. Innes, who was in Australia, and another, no, four, that's it. There, there were like four. Oh, and the car seat guy that I'd found in Germany. These guys in Australia and America, they were at the airport about to board the plane. Cancelled. Uh, they were now questioning, like this was the CPS. Now, this is where, now I'm 100% sure after this that this is the vaccines that's caused it. Because there was no way they were going to let a shaken baby case run in the media because now it's a huge case. It's massive. I'm sick of seeing myself walk up the steps to Winchester Crown Court. It's like I was trying to find a channel I wasn't on. 
Mm. <laughs> it was like, like bad posture. <laughs> you, you know, like it was just like this is so dull. Like, like and Sam going, "Mummy, why are you on the telly?" And I said, "Oh, they were like, you know, oh, it was just something silly, like asking me if I liked this sweet or whatever." Um, so these were nearly on the plane to come to, to come to the UK, and that the defence was a vaccine defence. Nothing more. Is nothing this the less. first uh, trial that you've had the vaccine defence? In, this, in, in yeah, operation because his previous legals were like no 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 nope um and this skin sample would have been the one that would have been able to definitively prove it but these guys were going to come and say what they knew um cps were not going to allow this like no one was going to allow a vaccine defense in such a media driven trial because it would have exposed everything it would have blown up like it like it would have, whether he'd have been found innocent or guilty, so much would have been in court transcripts that anyone can go and get. Like, I don't know how you get court transcripts. I think you just write to the court and say, I want the transcripts from such and such a case. Um, like, if you want your dining room filled up with paperwork like mine, is to go for it. Like, wouldn't you start find the date of the internet? I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, so, so they were going to come over. So now the CPS have gone um, to the judge um, with credibility questions about one of the medical experts, Dr. Calacarinos. And the judge said, yeah, all right then. Did they say what specifically the credibility issue was? Um, I can't. Uh, did they? It was something to do with, I think it was something to do with, because he was quite an old doctor. Um, same as Dr. Innes. He was like 70 odd at that time. He's still alive now. So, I mean, he knew his stuff. He's probably 100 now. <laughs> I mean, he's still kicking around, still writes to me, you know. Um and I, and I think they found something with a qualification, a tiny little, yeah, whereas Dr. Innes' qualifications were all done in the UK when he was a young, young man. But Dr. Calacarinos' were done in Greece, even though he was like living in Australia and there was a indiscrepancy with, mm, is, he a, is he an expert witness or not? No, he's not. Rah. Like So obviously that collapsed that trial. Couldn't... Um... I mean, if, if if they can get one witness out of the picture, couldn't the trial have continued, have continued with the remaining with the witnesses? Well, well, because, again, this was due to start the following day. Like they do this, they time it perfectly. So, the, so obviously, they go to go to the call and emergency hearing. Um, you've got to get your barrister there. Like you, you've got to get the judge to stay there late to even hear what this is, because otherwise, the trial starts and it collapses straight away. Like. Actually, yeah, no, that one didn't start and stop. The one after started and stopped. So it was the following day um, that it was supposed to start. So, of course, blah, we can't, like, that's the, that, that one's not happening now. And because it is the next day, so now we've got another trial date, and I can't even remember. I think this one was quite quick. It was about three months or something like that after. But you can see how all this time is adding up. So you, you, you've got a fifth trial now. Yeah, and a sixth trial. The sixth trial runs. It actually run, but not with not with the vaccine experts. Now, now something else has happened with my husband. In like with 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 him, um, I think he's lost his nerve. He's now got Angela Canning's legal team, which is a guy called Bill Bache, and he got Angela Canning's who'd been done for Munchausen by proxy. 
uh, which was basically smothering her babies. Mm. Where it, it was all the rage around that time, Munchausen by proxy. It's still all the rage now. Um, the only reason we don't hear these cases is because they've they've called Munchausen by proxy now because it had such a bad reputation. They call it fabricated induced illness. It's exactly the same thing, and it's happening just as much as it was before. Although now with shaken baby cases and with these fabricated induced illness cases, what they're doing is is they're starting a family court proceeding first which then puts a reporting restriction on all of it Mm. so obviously it looks like this isn't happening anymore oh it's happening it's happening every day of the week in this country it's happening in family courts and it's happening in the criminal courts but because you the gagging order comes in in the family court this is perfect this is now open season for dodgy expert witnesses so you're saying that in your case it was a murder by shaking the baby but there are other medical incidences that can happen well, and they blame the parents and they say they've smothered the baby. Yeah, that's what they say. Well, fabricated... So there's no fractures, for example. They'd have to say they smothered, smothered the baby. Yeah, yeah. there'll be retinal hemorrhaging, um, subdural hematoma, like, like brain brain bleeds, and they'll say that's smothering. Um, the, I mean, the, the absolute bizarre thing is, is if you look at... If you look at people who've lost children who don't correlate the vaccine into cot deaths um, because the cot deaths are a whole different thing in itself because if you actually look at the instance of cot, cot deaths you're looking at two months four months six months eight months 12 months and then the instance really peters off oh well what, what happens at two months oh your vaccines what happens at four months oh your vaccines six months Eight months, twelve months. I'm starting to see a little bit of autism here, because your kid's been damaged along here anyway, um, hindered its immune system to some irreparable level, and then oh look, now we're seeing all these behavioural differences because you can't see them before. How can you see a behavioural difference other than being sick and screaming in an eight-week-old or 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 a twelve-week-old? You don't know you don't know your child's personality well enough. Eight weeks, you know, which is another thing. In the vaccine, do not give if they're allergic to this, 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 this. I've only been on the planet eight weeks. How do I know what I'm allergic to? How would you know? You kind of hope you're not. It's like half of the medications you get in hospital or, or the doctors. And you're like, I don't even know what that is. Am I allergic to it? <laughs> Never had it before. Could be. Let's hope not. And that must be medicine, isn't it? Could. Let's hope not. Not many people do. But but they do, doesn't it? I mean, you, you know, they accept that tampons kill women mm. through toxic shock. Mm-hmm. That's well known. Nobody goes, oh, you're a tampon conspiracy theorist. No, it's taken. But if you say DTAP, meningitis and polio killed my child, anti-vaxxer. Your child abuse, like they're calling people who don't vaccinate their children child abusers now. And it's like, where's this come from? Why can't we question things? Because it has come from a wall of money called Big Pharma. Of course it is. And um, they make so much money off these vaccines and anyone who gets in the way of that gets crushed. Well, you just, what would the Conservative Party do without Eli Lilly? (laughs) <laughs> you know what would they do <laughs> be outside Sainsbury's wouldn't they with a little pot there and a dog with a gammy leg looking for collections <laughs> like, just... 
My parents keep getting the flu, and I, I keep saying to them, have you had the, the flu vaccine? Yeah, I had the vaccine right before I, I got sick. <laughs> and people say to me, all right, well, how can they be making money if we're getting these vaccines for free? You just go to the doctor and they give us for free. They're not for free, What people free, don't understand they? is... We're paying national insurance here. We're paying for this. The taxpayers' money is a feeding trough of billions upon tr- billions of dollars, pounds, whatever you want to call it. And these corporations come in... And they give the government political contributions to get those contracts. And the more money they give to the politicians, the more they get the contracts. And well, the, the, the pharmaceutical companies, their biggest clients are world governments. Like the military, I think, is the biggest consumer oh, of pharmaceuticals in America. Well, the, the, the military, the military the are the, the military and prisoners are the best crash test dummies, aren't they? They, I mean, the vaccines, I, I actually knew someone when I was in Bahrain. Um, and, do you know, actually, I've not met anyone on my travels, ex-military, who isn't off their nut. Um, but then when they say, oh, yeah, well, we had this anthrax vaccine, we had this one, we had this one, we had this one, every single one's got PTSD, which, is it PTSD or have you got neurological damage? Do we know? Do we know? Like, you... And, and is it is it America where they actually pay prisoners to be like the crash test dummies for new vaccines and pharmaceuticals? Yeah. It, they give it, them a little bit extra on their ticket or it's whatever. It's even worse than that. Um, when Clinton was governor in the state of Arkansas and they knew that the blood they were taking from the prisoners had AIDS and hepatitis and all this stuff, they kept selling it on the international market. I was going to say, because you've had a case, there's people in this country that have had the contaminated blood, isn't there? It went all over the world? Yeah, yeah. From... Those prisoners. And, um, yeah, I've written about Gulf War Syndrome as well in my book, America Made. There was a lady that was campaigning against that. And she was in the military. And she saw what happened. And she does speeches on it now. Um, well, all right, let's get back to your story then. So, trial six? Yeah, trial six runs. Um, and it runs with different experts um, He's on his side. Um, I think he's like this... this uh, I have to be careful what I say here. Um, I st- I don't care whether you're a defence solicitor or a prosecution solicitor, barrister. I don't care. I it's not in it's not in the legal industry because it is big money industry to have um, a vaccine defence in this country. It really isn't. Um, so we've now got a different team of medical experts, and what they do, I mean, it works. He got a no case to answer. It took six weeks. Six weeks running around like Salman Rushdie again, you know, like, oh. Went to one. Actually, this is quite funny because even in the most horrific experiences, you must have had this. Like, you were in, like, purgatory, wasn't you, for six years? Um, Even within those awful, awful times, some things happen and they are funny. Like, they're hysterically funny, and I think that's your self-preservation kicking in, otherwise you would go clinically insane. There was one of the days that we come out of the trial, and I have, again, I have my friend down from London, and we got mobbed by the press, and I started panicking because they were all around us, Um, 
and and so I I done quite a good thing because I could see what there was one walking backwards and I could see the cable so I trod on it and he went over and I just ran and my friend <laughs> ran with me and we ran through Winchester I mean it was like wacky <laughs> races do you know what I mean <laughs> Penelope Pitt stuff hail hail <laughs> and and so I'm legging it through Winchester High mm. Street looking like a shoplifter <laughs> and my friend's like a little older and like a little slower than me trundling along behind and we just dive in this pub that was a complete dive of a place <laughs> and um and like I've run like straight into uh, straight into the bar she's followed behind me and the guy behind the bar he went oh no you're that poor lady with a baby in trial aren't you and I was like, yeah. I said, the press are outside. I don't want them. I'm, I don't want them near me. Like, and he went, go upstairs. I'll bring you, like, some drinks. And uh, we needed them. We were like, thank you oh, very much. What a guardian so, angel. So he, he then comes down, like, a little, like, a couple of hours later. He lets us, we've got the telly on, watching ourselves, tripping up a cameraman. I was like, high five me. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and so we've come. He's come up and he's gone right. It looks like they've all gone. And I was like, right, I've got to get out of here. Got to get out of here. And um, Lisa's gone. Well, I've just bought another bottle of wine. And and I was like, well, put a call back in it. Put it in your handbag. Let's go. Like, let's just get out of here. I've had enough. I want to go home. So we're halfway down the high street, um, to where we're going to go and like. Get, I was meeting my friend to come and collect us because we'd been drinking to come and get my car out of the car park and they're there again, the press are there. So we both dart in, <laughs> we dart in this little clothes shop and I'm like, I need jeans. So I'm now in the changing room and I buy two shirts, I buy a belt, I pay, buy two pair of jeans and like when then my friend comes, gets the car and we're gone. Weeks later, I get some, like a text message from the bank like your mortgage is bounced and I'm like, why? I can't understand that. Oh, this stuff was in the boot of my car still. Lisa's bottle of wine had started leaking in this boutique shop, so now it looks like an incontinent dog has oh. walked around the place, oh. like all around the clothes where she's following us. And um, these jeans, two shirts and a belt, £800. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you've got to be kidding. There's this woman in the shop. She's never had a sale like it. I haven't looked at a price ticket. So she's letting, she's letting like Lisa looking like an incontinent dog with the one leaking out of her bag go. She's thinking, oh, well, carpet cleaners, <laughs> massively overpriced belt <laughs> and jeans. <laughs> so there were like elements of that. So that Joel run. And, and then, do you have to be a witness in court at, at this trial I've six? Given, I, I, um, yeah, trial six. I gave, I because I didn't see anything of the first two weeks of that trial because I haven't given my evidence. So my mum and my sister give their evidence first because this was another thing. I was isolated from my mum and my sister because they're like, eh, you're not allowed to talk about the case because I'm rogue. Like, and and I I know that. Well, I thought at the time they'd bugged our house. Because there was stuff coming out in some of the hearings that I knew were private conversations between me and um, these medical experts. And this before Skype and all the rest of it. So, like, we're just talking a massive phone bill on my part. And and I'm thinking, how's that come out in the newspaper? How's that come out in court? That, like, I know. No one knows this. I've not written to him about this because I'm not sure of it myself. And... Um, <clears throat> 
then, um, like it's obvious now, isn't it, with the phone hacking and all the rest of it, because I got contacted by Operation Wheating, was it, with the phone tapping? Mm. Um, and so actually what it was, it was the CPS and and, and the press, because one time um, the um, prosecution barrister, Jeremy Gibbons, this is when the trial's going on, he was caught... Um, with the top journalist from, I can't remember his name, I'll have it written down somewhere, just like affectionately known as Scumbag. Um, So Scumbag and Scumbag had actually met up. Jeremy Gibbons, the prosecution scumbag, and the Daily Mail one, um, they were caught in a restaurant having dinner together in Winchester. So so it was like, oh, we know what's going on here. Like, So there's no way that I think that phone hacking thing was just the news of the world. No way was it, because what was being written in the Daily Mail, I'm quite sure they would do. They were up to exactly the same sort of stuff. But when Operation Wheating got in touch with me, I was like, I'm really not interested. Like, you have, you, you've not even sorted the death certificate out. Do you think I give a shit about whether someone's, like, illegally tapped my phone? This whole thing's been illegal. So, like, my level of trust in you lot, keep away from me. Just go away, you, you know. So are you on the stand, then, in Trial 6? And <laughs> trial do, do you get six, an yeah. opportunity to mention the vaccines, or do they purposefully not ask no, you any questions? You can only, you can only answer. Um, and this was the thing that really upset me, was because I'd said... I'd said to this bloody James Park, like, ugh, now I'm like that. But at the time, I was relying on him as, like, a friend, as a confidant, as, like, with work things, everything. I mean, it was stupid, but it had gone on too long. Um, I When when um, I came out of that, of, of that um, giving evidence, which, was it a day and a half? I think it was a day and a half. Can't really remember because it was such a pile of shit anyway. Um, <clears throat> so we we came came out of that, and um, James Park said, "Well, the CPS didn't think you were a particularly helpful witness." And I said, "Well, my mission's complete then, isn't it? It wasn't my job to be helpful." Um, but then his lot, like my ex, his lot said the same about me that I wasn't helpful, and I was like, "Well, I'm sorry." I told the truth of what happened. Like, what were you asked? Um, well, like, not very much. This is the thing, because they didn't want to steer me into blaming Winchester Hospital, because Dr Antonio, his evidence... Now, I didn't see his evidence because he went before me, but I've read the transcript... He couldn't remember what day of the week it was. So all he all he done, because he couldn't keep his lies straight, he couldn't keep up with his own lies, because in his statement, he'd, contra- he'd done about four or five different police statements, and every single one of them, he wrote something different, he said something different. So because now he's got a little bit of an excuse, three, three and a half, four years have gone past from when he saw her, that, of course, now he... I can't remember. Can't remember I can't yeah. remember, because... It was funny because he he actually um no, I gave my evidence before him because he was outside. He he was outside giving evidence after me on one day and I just couldn't get I, I, I was like, Oh oh, it's him. And obviously I've got this James Park with me and I'm like, get me away from here because I'm gonna I'm gonna go for him. I've never had a fight in my life and I'll probably lose, but I don't need to be anywhere near him. And I'm like, Who the fuck? Who was them? 
sitting next to him and he went, um, let's just go. And he said, uh, the, the NHS Trust, Hampshire NHS Trust legal department. Mm. So they sat there going, just so you can't remember anything. Of course. Because, Standard, yeah, isn't it? Can't yeah. remember, no comment, plead the fifth. Yeah, um, or, or just come across like you're a complete dickhead. Which, which, when you read the transcripts, it must have been even more impressive to witness mm. it in the flesh. Because reading it, you're like, wow, there's probably more fact here in a Jackie Collins novel than what's spouting out of this, like, you know, amoeba. It, it was just, oh, it was so stinky. All so, of it. You, they're steering you in a way where you can't bring the Vax defence in. No. What is the defence your husband has been advised to adopt by what? his legal team? Right, well, what they done, um, it was basically a hole-picking defence. So they, I, I'd found a few in English doctors that would pick holes but wouldn't say vaccine. So they go, oh, this isn't quite right. And this, I mean, like the... the um, the charge only came around, would have only come around, because Alan Anscombe, the pathologist, said that Charlotte had a skull fracture, considering everyone had seen her naked and all the rest of it with not a mark on her for all that week and in Great Ormond Street and the midwife before and the health visitor like everybody had seen her. Um, they said that she had a skull fracture. So this is where the shaking... like Their, their thing was he shook her and then smacked her head on the floor or the wall. Um, as it turned out, there wasn't a skull fracture at all. And Alan Anscombe just reversed himself in the trial and went, oh, yeah, I made a mistake. So there's there's the first mistake. He said that in trial six, he admitted yeah. there wasn't a skull yeah. fracture. Was that was his first yeah. time he admitted that? Um, I believe so. I believe so. Not 100%. So he just made it up to, like, get put the it all charge, on you? To get the charge. He needed that. Like, it, I don't think any... If there hadn't have been that, who it could have been me, it could have been him. Who were you ever going to find guilty of it? So they had to pick the one who had him last. Like the kind of thing, and it was a fresh skull fracture, and he couldn't have had it before because she was in the hospital with anti, anti Dr. Antonio, so he would have noticed if her head was caved in, even though there was no bruising, no nothing. It, you know, the only people that put a mark actually on Charlotte that was listed I mean, this is the thing to find the truth, you have to read your own daughter's pathology. Who wants to do that? But you have to. You have to, to get to the bottom of it, to get to the truth. And the only people that ever put a mark on my baby were the people in the mortuary because she had a crucifix and and it had gone behind and put a mark on her. That was it. What other errors were made by the prosecution then? Um... Well, um, I, I was pulling out paperwork and I thought if I, if I bring all the paperwork I've got, I could pick holes in every single one of their witnesses. Like I could take them to the cleaners now. There was a radiologist, Christine Hall, who um, proclaimed that Charlotte had 32 fractures on her. Like, really? How? A if, very... if, any, if any of these evil people are watching this, what the F is going through your minds? The devastation you've caused... Sharon and her husband, don't you have a conscience? It's just making me feel sick to hear what these people do. But the worst thing about it is, is actually I only found something when I was revisiting all this because I knew that I was coming to see you. And what I don't want is one of these creatures that earn off my daughter's death, wrongful death at the hands of pharmaceuticals and Winchester Hospital. It is a wrongful death. It's not a shaken baby. It's a wrongful death, unlawful wrongful death. Um, I, I went 
on another search because people update stuff like from when I was really looking at these people and I've kept an eye on them from a distance but now these ones are not so much in the picture so now I've got a new crew that I watch because I'm still my thing hasn't finished but it has compared with new people that are getting done for this every single day of the week so I've got I know who I'm watching in these medical people and I'm watching every case they're in and I'm picking them apart the same as I'm picking I have picked these apart Christine Hall found 32 fractures well was it 32 was it 16 so they get a radiologist like the defense get a radiologist and it's like well they start picking holes and judge does a shitty thing here he says right drop the GBH charge so the evidence, the, that defence witness didn't even get a chance to give his full testimony. So Christine Hall like, didn't have a nice time on cross-examination. Um, and she actually said that she wouldn't do another criminal trial. She didn't need to because she was already up to her neck in the family court where it's all secret and you can say what you like. And so she continued to do that for years after. Prior to that, in 2001, so before all this, when she's very first involved in this, she's already up to her neck in, in a case in Scotland where actually her evidence was found to be hmm, not that secure. In, in the first instance, but the, the Crown Prosecution, no, she's so used, just like Punt, just like Jasmine, just like Anscombe, these are like the magic ones. They're so good in court because it's like, meh, it's like, meh another murder trial, meh, another shaken baby. Yeah, we'll make it really dramatic. Christine Hall goes, oh, well, this would be the same as if Charlotte was dropped out of a six-storey window. Well, no, she wouldn't because there'd be nothing left of her. Or this is the same as a 50 mile an hour car crash with no seatbelt. Well, once again, it wouldn't be, would it? Because there'd be nothing left of you. This is straight out of um, Making a Murder. I wrote a book called Making a Murder about the 10 ways prosecutors and detectives set up innocent people. And one of them was hire expert witnesses to lie. And another method was create an emotional reaction. Mm. Just focus on the injuries, the pictures, reconstruct the injuries. Tell these stories, how they got the injuries, blood and guts. Well, I'm, get I, everybody reacting emotionally, and then the fact that there's no evidence this happened yeah, it doesn't, we'll, matter. We'll, doesn't matter. Everyone's traumatized now. Doesn't matter. Well, well, I saw, um, I saw the the jury when I gave my evidence, which was about two weeks into the trial, and I also saw the jury at the end, and those those people were traumatized. Um, because unless you're medically trained, you do not want to see pictures of a baby on an autopsy, halfway through an autopsy. You don't want to see the open light. And these oh, are normal God. people. These are normal people. So I th- now had the judge let this run all the way to jury. Who knows? These people were so upset, so traumatised. They'd seen me crying on the stand because I couldn't help it. I didn't completely lose it, but I did have to ask for five minutes to walk out and come back in again. Like, because I didn't want to stand there sobbing like an idiot because you've got the court sketchy man there. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> conscious. I don't want the press having that of me. Like, I I am like the head of my family as it stands at this minute. And I and I only want to be seen as strong, not someone breaking down. But they did see that. Now, if the, if the judge hadn't of... Like, he sent everyone home randomly on a Friday, like halfway through the day. He hadn't finished. And he just said, um, hmm, I'm adjourning this, like, now for till Monday. And I thought, 
well, probably just wants to buckle off. It's Friday, isn't it? It's getting a bit much for everyone. Um, and then when we came back on the, on the, I wasn't even at the court when it happened. Um, this is another beautiful thing of, of the police. I, I was driving. Um, I, what was I driving? I was driving my son to school, I think. And I just had like phone call from the police. Like, oh, just to let you know, um, judges come in this morning, no case to answer. And I didn't even know what that meant. And I went, what? What I, does that mean? Um, I just, uh, well, I, I went up the curb. Like, and I nearly like hit a lamppost. I was like, what? And I'm like, well, shut up, shut up a minute. Like, I need to stop the car here because I'm like shaking and I can feel my knees are going because I'm like, what does this mean? And he said, oh, well, no case to answer. And I was like, so you've wrecked my life for four years for fuck all. And he was like, well, not really, because he's still guilty. It doesn't mean he's not guilty. I said, what, what does that actually mean then? Oh, well, the judge didn't think there was enough evidence to put it to the trial. I went, what, like, there wasn't any evidence because he didn't do it, and that's why it's not going to the jury. Like, like but if it had gone to that jury, they were really, they looked, they look terrible. They look worse than me. They of course, worse they use all me. the techniques. They've got the emotional reaction. It was awful. Who are they going to believe? Authority? Jurors are going to believe authority. Yeah, the doctors and the police, and look at that barrister. I mean, you know, Jeremy Givens ever so posh, and you've got all these. And, and then we've got, I mean, for his, his defence medical experts, what they were saying were right, but they probably look like the little scruff bags that have come in. <laughs> yes, they were picking the holes in. Court is theatre. Like, Whoever puts on the best actors. show wins. Yeah. You've got your best actors. You, the state always has the most money to put on the best show and pay the highest money well, for the actors. Well, this is the disgusting thing about it, on top of all the other disgusting things about it, is um, they estimated that that trial come to over £5 million. What a waste of taxpayers' money. And all those people who went against you guys, they're the ones who should be in prison as far as I'm concerned. So you're saying that with this nothing to answer, he, he doesn't have to go to prison, but he he still has a guilty on no, him? No, not guilty. Him? Oh, not yeah, guilty not guilty. Him. Okay. But that wasn't good enough for social services, obviously. So this is not the end of your story. You've not won at this point We've, against the state. We haven't won state. anything. No, we haven't won anything. What happens next? Um, well, all the time this is going on, social services are crawling all over me. Now this it wasn't small fry because they were actually putting more stress on me than the police and everything else was than the company that the social services because because they're threatening you with your child that's there you've lost one and you know it like i made a huge mistake when they when the police first said that they were going to make me a prosecution witness um there was this cop around my house and i'd not seen him before and i never saw him again after and he said to me he said um do you actually know how terrible social services are? And I said to him, get out of my house. I went, don't threaten me, don't threaten me in my house. I said, this is early days, isn't it? We're two days in. I went, I've done nothing wrong. So you do, I said, go on, you go and do your bloody worst because I've done nothing wrong. You'll find nothing here. What an idiot. Zip, shouldn't have said that because they, ta-da, social services are there. And they've never gone. They've never gone. They're still here now. You, you know, there's still a presence of purgatory. Um, so once this trial was finished, um, what did we have? I think we had a whole, was it two weeks before then we start having court dates in the family court trial. Now, in the family court, the burden of proof... Well, it's like you're guilty. <laughs> like they say, it's sixty forty. 
it isn't 60-40, it's like 80-20, like at the best. Not many people win in a family court. It's a really huge business. It's as stinking as the pharmaceutical industry. Um, So how long does that take? That takes another year and a half to get to the family court trial, which runs... How long did that take? That was about two weeks. And is the family court trial against him again? No, it's both of us. Both of you now. Now now they're really playing us off against each other and he's falling for it. He's falling for it because another year has passed. People have been in his ear. People have been in my ear. Like, oh, she had an affair with this one and that one. And that wasn't the case at all. Like, Like it wasn't. It wasn't the case. I'd got too close to James Park. I was guilty of that. I'd kissed him, but I hadn't done anything else. And that was because I was bloody drunk, crying, feeling sorry for myself. And he was like, come on, in my house on the sofa. And I'd like, but this was like three years into this purgatory. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm running off all over the, over town. I was hiding in I'm, my house. I'm surprised <laughs> you held yourself together so well under the circumstances. A normal person would have gone insane of going through this. I don't know. People say that to me and I don't think there's anything special with me at all. I think I think until you have your family threatened in such a way that you don't realise how strong you are at all. If anyone would have said that, like, this is going to happen and you, this is, you, you're just going to survive it, I would have said, no, I wouldn't. I kill myself. So what yeah. happened in family court? What were you actually charged with this time? Uh, we were both charged with killing her in that one. Killing? Killing me and him. Yeah, which made them look bloody ridiculous because I'd been there with my, like, my son and that, like, all oh, while the murder trial was going on and then all of a sudden, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm a child killer. So the media all over it again? No, uh, they the can't. Family. No reporting they can't restrictions. can't access it. Yeah, the reporting restrictions in the family court. So this is great. What they do is they trial all the medical experts that have earned an, tens of thousands of pounds in the, in the criminal trial. The same old motley crew are in again. And, of course, they win. They didn't won. Win, didn't win with me. Um, he got a civil murder finding against him. Which means what? Did you have to go to prison for that? No. Just means that he's guilty. And that if he ever had a baby with someone else, social services could come, take, well, could come up and say, oh, you're, you're a baby killer. There we go. We don't even need a court trial. Are like, you guys, at this point in the story, are you guys still together? No. Okay, I see. No, it's it's just got to a state... Um, we wasn't not together and we weren't together through the family court thing. But he done some, like, when he came out of the prison, obviously I've never been in prison, particularly on a nonce's wing. Like, I, the person who went in was definitely not the same person that came out. And unfortunately, the person that he knew wasn't the person that I was anymore. Like, like, so we're now two people that have really changed. And he needed to, like, control everything into such tiny, like, it was suffocating considering I'd been running around the world, like, the company and the kids. And, like, I'd, I'd not had this freedom, but I'm, I'd, I could look after myself by then. Prior to that, I probably wasn't so good at it. But, but now I, 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 and I'm angry with him. I'm angry with him because he's not helping me. He's not helping me with a death certificate. He's not helping me with anything. He, he, in the family court, it just looked like he wanted to save his own skin, and and maybe he did. Maybe he just had enough of it. Um, like, but it didn't go. It didn't do him any favors because it really did look like he was trying to save his own skin. And the judge saw it. Even my defence barrister's going, "We didn't even need to be here. He's doing this for himself." 
What were the consequences upon you of this um, family stuff going on with the family court and the child services people? Um, well, they're crawling all over, all, all over our family kind of thing, kids, and 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 we're not allowed to live together. Okay, so, what what were what was happening at the time of the, you just okay? So you you won your verdict. He got found guilty, but nothing happened to him. What did they do? That was there a, a response? Was it over then for you? Um, no, because then there's a care order in place. Um, so basically, it, it didn't really. Well, it wasn't really. No, it was. It's never been over um, because these these orders, like if if any child gets a care order on them, it runs until it can run until they're eighteen years old, and most times it does run until they're eighteen years old. Um, so any any child with a care order. Is kind of part they what that means, and this is like the insult of it, is that they have third parental responsibility. So that means me and you've got a child. He's the social worker, so he's the other parent. We've now got like so. So this is this means you could. I wouldn't even need to ask you if I could go on holiday. You wouldn't have a problem with it. I've got to beg them. Can I? Well, where you where are you going? How long are you going for? What's your flights like? So, anybody who, whether you've got that finding against you or not, whoever has the child or children, like like because they they you know any family, whoever's got the children in this situation, is then a secondary parent to social services because if say. Um, if there was a big decision to be made and it had to go to court, you would go and I would go. We'd be going like this. Don't forget, they hate you. They hate you. They really hated me anyway because they didn't pin me with anything. And I, I mean, it, I was laughing at them in the family court trial because uh, um, they were trying to make out how uncooperative I was with them. Yeah, I was. There was no question. Um, and they, uh, the barrister... When they were questioning me, he said, well, you were that difficult. Um, they, they said that they had to get a crack team in to deal with you. I went, I wouldn't know about the crack team, but I'm quite sure you sent some crackheads around my house. <laughs> I was like, but I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. And like, even the judge started laughing. And, and like, so I'm annoying them. All the way through, <laughs> I've had a clever mouth with them because they can't do anything. Well, <laughs> they can't do anything worse than what I was going through, so I didn't care. They were getting the James Park treatment to a degree, but not quite as bad, because obviously everything you say, well, even if you haven't said it, they'll write it down and use it against you anyway. They just lie. Because when you've got no accountability in a family court, anybody can say anything, and you can't go, this is an injustice, I'm going to the newspapers, because the newspapers go, yeah, we get stories like this every single day of the week, we can't publish, it's disgusting, we know. So while your ex was in prison, were you taking care of all of the kids? No, 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 no. Well, what I I had um, I was looking after Sam, and what actually happened when I came back from um, when I came back from New Zealand, I actually found out that I was pregnant again. So then it was the small, and it, obviously it was his. Um, so this was like, oh my god. Like I weighed like six stone when I went to New Zealand. That's why I went there because I just couldn't eat. And like my auntie was like spoon feeding us yogurt, so there's no way that it should have been a time to be conceiving children. And and I kept saying to my sister, I feel sick, I feel really sick. And I was like, can't be pregnant, can't be pregnant. So Blake, like my other one, 
who ended up with a care order, I'm not going to name. Um, so obviously he's like the, the little jewel in this for social services. So so they put a care order on your newborn, is that what you're saying? Um, well, he wasn't a newborn by then, he was like three. So they put a care order on your three-year-old. The little one, yeah. Which means he to, make any de- to make any decisions about that child... He has got now a, he's a, got an extra a warden of the state will. over yeah, him. Yeah, he's got a spare will. But you're... Uh, I've done nothing he, wrong. He, he's, he's living with you. Both your children are living with you. Uh-huh. Your husband's gone off and done his own thing. Oh, well, no, for, because for for a long time when he was out, because we've got a year and a half when he when when the trials, the criminal trial finishes to when the family court trial like, starts and finishes, it's like a year and a half. So... The the expense is still there of running the two houses, and then we've got like like the company, and and we're trying to spend time together. He's allowed to see to see the children if he's supervised, and oh, it was just like for so like just madness, just utter madness. It was like never ending, and then when when of course all the family court trial stuff. stuff finishes, and this is the same for everybody. You'd think, oh, thank God, it's finished. It hasn't finished because this could go on until they're 18 years old. So did they try to take your kids from you? No, no. Um, if they'd have got that finding in family court, they would have. I, I would have thought so. Um, but it looked a bit dodgy, didn't it? Because all along they were... Well, this is where they were like caught, I think, with their pants down a little bit because these social workers were so damn sure that he was going to get found guilty and that would have been the end of that. They'd never have to speak to me again because they hated me and, like, happy days. Um, so when when the judge chucked it out, like, um, they were actually in the court. Their legal, their legal person was in the court, in the criminal court, and um, and, and her face was like, what the fuck is going on here? And... and um, she was outside when when he came out, and I I I'd driven there by then because like his solicitor's written a really light statement in it for the press and all that, and I'm like, you're going to speak to him, turn off. You've no idea what they've been like. Don't talk to the press. And I was like, that's not even your words. Like that's not even your words. This is an advert for this Bill Bates <laughs> law firm. I'm not happy with it. And um, so the, all that was going on anyway. And and this this thing this legal person solicitor whatever they are for um family services she was actually there and and um like my my my, my ex he went up to her and he said don't start anything stupid like please don't start anything stupid and and I I think prior to that maybe um, and then during that very early times I think the solicitor had dealt with her and he'd come to an agreement that no he wasn't going to like bring his bag and come move straight back in the house and all the rest of it he was like so then poof, that all kicked off but at that stage yeah I mean if they'd have been, but but they didn't have their paperwork they didn't have all the things that they they would need to do that and because they'd been involved already it wouldn't be as easy as running. To to the police and going, we need an emergency protection order because the police are going to be like, hang on a minute, don't really want to get involved with that. We've just humiliated ourselves already in a six-week trial against this person. We're going to give you that, which is the only way they can fast-track taking people's children. So you brought a lot of paperwork <clears throat> here and you said the most important uh, piece of paper is the death certificate and this shows 
some kind of uh, fraudulent activity or right well there's a couple of fraud things here um on the death certificate like the this took me nearly 10 years to get i i tried to get this death certificate for 10 years because i was curious as to what was actually written on it um so what well, there's a problem here because um it says that this was the date of this death certificate was registered was in January 2002 well this is absolutely impossible because at that stage Charlotte had only been dead a couple of weeks and there was so much, I don't, like full pathology and toxicology hadn't even come back even from their rubbish pathologist so that's not that's not quite correct there um also, cause of death is shaken impact syndrome. That's that's not a cause of death at all. Like, it would be subdual hematoma or you know or unlawful killing. Like, but shaken impact syndrome, bit woolly. No one knows. Like, because plenty of people they've said this about and their kids haven't died, so it would be brain injury, wouldn't it? I would have thought as a cause of death. Um, <clears throat> also says that an inquest was held on the nineteenth of December in two thousand and one. So Charlotte would have been dead, what, eight days at that stage? Um, there's never been an inquest. Never been an inquest, so we never know what happened. Um, uh, where are we? Um, and to top it all, they've actually got my name wrong. <laughs> Idiots. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that you're still being harassed by the police. You've been pulled over. Ugh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't drive in this country. Um, it's just not worth the aggro. Um, I, I, we've had, we've had strange stuff happening. Um, it's, it started happening. Um, well, it's been ongoing really. The strangest thing that actually happened was, um, I was quite sure that someone was coming in my um, apartment at that time. I had an apartment, um, and a different address than where we live now. Before we went overseas, and. Um, there was just weird stuff happening. And what I actually think, I think people were coming in the apartment looking for these documents, which I actually had overseas. Um, they've only recently come back to the UK. Um, and these are home office documents where Dr. Anscombe looks like he's perjured himself in the trial because all the way through the home office documents that have been requested by the House of Lords, the guy who done the pathology is, um, is, is, is a Dr. White. Um, so I think they were potentially but then you can't go around saying this to people because they'll go oh look she's lost the plot she's like paranoid idiot up until the point that it wasn't just me who was thinking someone's been in the house when sam come home one day and said where's my hamster not just where's my hamster where's the cage <laughs> like nothing else had been taken nothing nothing else had been taken um and i was like <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Pets at home run. <laughs> let's go. Let's quick. Let's get another one. A replacement. Um, another thing that was happening. I'd been up to Port Cullis House because I'd been backwards and forwards from Westminster for years. Like that's what these documents are. I'll email them over to you just out of interest for you. Um, I'd been backwards and forwards. I'd ta- even taken medical experts up to the House of Lords and and, and things like that. I was with my MP, one of many, um, at Port Cullis House, and I kept getting. This telephone number um, phoning me, and when I was phoning it back, it was Glaxo welcoming Slough. And and I I we'd literally just come out of Portcullis House, um, and and on this night, like, and I said to to my MP was there, so I was like, right, it's that number. I'm not going insane. 
and and my friend Lisa was there as educational psychologist, so she should have known if I was nuts. Well, actually, she did say we're all a bit nuts on some level, but but and and I said right, phone that number back. Like it, it's that's that number again. And I got my MP. I said, "Do you phone that number straight back?" And it was Glaxo Welcome in Slough. And he said, "Well, um, can you can you let me know who keeps calling this number?" And it was just like reception. No, we 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 wouldn't know that. We wouldn't know. We wouldn't know. So, do you think then that there are numerous people in prison worldwide, perhaps, especially in America? Imagine this has gone more extreme. That. The outcome was that they were found guilty, but I know many people, many people, um, in this country, um, and and in America. Um, How did you manage to get in touch with those people? Did they contact you? Um, at the very beginning, um, I was just searching "shaken baby." Never heard of it. Well, apart from the Louise Woodward thing or whatever it was, but I hadn't really taken that much notice of like something that happened with a nanny in America. You know, there was like, probably more fun to be had at that stage. Um, so I'd been looking it up on the internet, and I actually found a guy called Alan Yurko. This was many, many years ago, and he'd been done for shaken baby, and he'd been in prison like fifteen years or something ridiculous like that in that time over in the states. And I got in touch with his ex-wife um, and she was like, Christ, don't even ask me about this. And I sort of said what had happened. And she was like, yeah, absolutely, exactly the same as what happened. Mm. And she said, but I'd already, I already knew it was the vaccines at this stage. But when I got in touch with her, when she was telling me about their baby, it, it was a cut and paste of what happened, like literally to the day. Now I've got another friend in America... Um, and again, her marriage fell apart over this. Um, her little boy died pretty much the same time as Charlotte. And so we were very raw together, the same age kind of thing, two women, one in America, one in the UK. But my God, was we clinging on each other through email and stuff like that. Um, her poor husband um, was having a terrible time in, in prison, as you can imagine what, like, compared with over here. Um, and in the end, I think um, he ended up taking a plea deal for it. So he ended, as much as she she was angry about this, because again, she said it's the vaccines. Oh, look at this. Literally, we can map this. I can map this with other people's cases as to what happens, what's in. And it's, this isn't like we've made it up because you can look at the medical records. Mother says this, 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 this. And you can tally it all up. I mean... There's a case up in Scotland, which I wished I'd caught hold of earlier. Um, and this guy might not be a very nice guy. Apparently, back many years ago, he's got a domestic thing on him. But, I mean, to be honest, that could be like giving someone a shove when you're pissed up having a fight in a nightclub. It really could be that. certainly doesn't have anything about him. That, And the thing that bothers me about this case is that that morning that his baby died, he was literally sending pictures to the mother who'd gone to get her hair done or something like that. The baby was eight weeks, like, so, well, eight, nine weeks, so we're in that time again. And someone who's sneakily abusing or is about to lose their rag and kill a baby, I don't think would be taking photos going, like, you know, look how cute he is in swing, like, in the baby chair and all the rest of it. Now, he might not be the smartest person in the world. We don't need to be. Um, it doesn't make you smash your child's head on the floor and kill them. It, it doesn't mean that. He's just got convicted to 12 years. And 
the frightening thing about that one, which sparked my, I just felt sick and I need to try and track this guy and, and write to him because his partner's turned against him. And I can see that this, it's not her fault. It's not she her. believes the experts. Yeah. And and the police, they're very good at what they do. You've got to have a very strong, strong mind about you and a level of, of smartness about you. They didn't bring the same cast of expert witnesses in on this um, case, No, they've they? got a new dream team. Oh. They've got a new dream team. Ours have got old, haven't we, because so much time's passed. So there's another motley crew of them. Um, yeah, again, with the car crash and all the rest of it. Um, but the one thing that really bothers me with this case is that baby... In, and this is just from the newspaper articles that I can find, and this literally has only just happened up in Scotland um, about four or five weeks ago. Um, what what really made me feel ill was that the baby had been at the Well Baby Clinic that morning. Mm. And I'm thinking, bet that little and got his jabs. Mm. Because none of, even the way the newspapers have written it, which is filthy, you, you know, they'll pick the tiniest thing like eh, criminal history might have been done for speeding or drink driving 20 years ago. But you can still write that as criminal history. Like we don't know what that is. But what what we do know is, is that the guy was sending perfectly calm, happy pictures. Um, what we do know is that the mum had no concerns about his behaviour that morning. Um, and what we do know is, is that baby was perfectly happy and had been to the well baby clinic. If that baby had had them injections that morning, I would pretty much bet my bottom dollar on it would map out the same. So if this is probably going on all over the world. Babies are dying. Now, what about babies that survive that toxic over-vaccination? Well, I, I, I mean, now... What annoys me in this anti-vaccine scene? Because I'm not, I, I don't, I, I don't camp with anyone. Um, they, they had a showing of Vax Two movie up in um, London um, at the weekend. I don't go to these things because I've seen these people. They breeze in, they breeze out, they breeze in, they breeze out, and they miss the point of this because it will be either oh, MMR causes autism. And that's what that's all, all the focus is going that way. But what we're not looking at is, hang on, what about a cumulative effect in a child with a weakened system? Say their parents are atopic, say they've just got a weakened system. This starts with a DTAP. Now, if they are having severe reactions to that, I think they're cot death babies. That's what I think they are. They're either going to, you're going to get done for doing it to them or they're going to be put down as cot death babies. So you think that a lot of the, people... Um, the babies die, and then the medical experts just say it's a cot death. It's a cot. No. We, di- we didn't cause it, yeah. but it could have been the no, vaccine. What, what they do, they 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 say, oh, that's just a coincidence, and you and you can find inqu- inquest after inquest into sudden infant deaths, um, where the coroners and the medical experts will go, it's a coincidence. When were vaccines introduced? God, they've been um, well at this level for babies, right? This is the thing when Sam was little because he's like 23 now, they didn't start giving vaccines until they were six months old. So, boys, back then when I had Sam at three, four months old, you were told that you could give them solid food and all the rest of it. And and so, your six a six month old is a lot more robust than 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 a tight than a eight week old. 
like they just are they're little bruises they've put they've got they start chubbying up don't they all that baby rolls and that so they they've built an immune system they've they've crawled on the carpet they've they've had some germs and their natural resistance is there well by the time that i had charlotte that had all completely changed and we're only talking 5 years difference there between them so when when um when well meningitis was introduced into the into the mix um so not only were they now 4 months earlier there was more in it like like there there was more in it um and now it's even worse isn't it because now they're talking about flu vaccines in in the mix as well right oh like in america when you look at the volume it's even worse than here i mean here's getting bad and it will follow it it will follow because what they're not going to say is oh look we've got this western country look at their child death rates america has america gives hepatitis vaccine um hepatitis um from birth over there they're um their baby deaths um, that occur in the first day are the highest in the Western world. They were trying to get me in prison. I refused it. What, to get vaccinated? Hepatitis, I think it was. One of the hepatitis ones, yeah. yeah. Mind you where you were. You must have been liable for me, me. So, um, It's not quite your mum's living, but is it? <laughs> so do you think that... There is brain damage for the kids that survive. Um, I think the kids that survive then go and get another whack and they do put the MMR into it then. Um, and, and then you've got the boosters for school. You've got, you've, because then the MMR's running until they're two years old. Then you've got the preschool boosters of everything. So that's not just like your, your diphtheria. Then you've got your, your tetanus and all the rest of it. Um, but when these kids start showing signs of autism, is is usually around the the one the one to two year, where you notice the de- developmental changes in them. Now, these women know they 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 know they go. This child was smiling and like, but I mean, let's let's be honest. Like young babies, they don't do a lot apart from kick their legs, scream and smile. So you haven't learned like what they're going to be. But when you've got women saying, right, I had the MMR, huge fever. Um, but it isn't usually just the MMR. It'll be the MMR and something else and something else. Like had had a fever. And then these children, their development, their speech goes is the first they say they noticed like even the eight, nine, ten month babies where they'd be doing da 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 like these noises, they stop doing it. They go inside themselves. And then obviously the crawling stops or the walking stops or the smacking their head on the wall starts and 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 these these parents they 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 know that they weren't like that before. And they can say, Yeah, well there there's no evidence. Well, well, if there is no evidence then, why is it now? I think it's one in 51 boys is diagnosed with autism. Well, it's, this is a huge population we're going to have to look after. Like, who who's going to look after this population? And if it isn't related to the vaccine, then what environmentally has changed in the last 25 years that this increase has gone from, say, one in however many it was to now one in just one in 51 or 61? I can't like figures off the top of my head. But if it isn't a vaccine programme, what environmental factors has, inclu- it has increased this? And, I, and I'm sick of people saying, oh, but they diagnose it better now. 
No, bullshit. Because did you know anyone when you... Like, this is what really annoys me. When I was at school, hardly anyone had asthma. Maybe one kid in the class had asthma. I had to go to the nurse's office with the whizzy thing. I didn't know anyone that couldn't have peanut butter. We we all could. Like now, uh, peanuts, run. Like what is what is wrong with our children now? Why have they got asthma? Why is there why are they their allergies going through the roof? Where's the autism come from? And you, and I'm sorry, it's just not good. And how many people now? Like I know, I've got friends of mine. Their their children, like small children, have gone through cancers and leukemias. Now, when I was a child. I didn't know anybody my age. In my whole childhood, I didn't know anyone my age. But now, my age parents, I know quite a few people whose children have been through cancer. Yeah, my sister's um, her baby was diagnosed with leukemia at age one. Where's it come yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. So to couples out there that have that are, you know the the woman is pregnant and. You know, they're seeing in the news that women who are refusing vaccines, their babies are actually dying because they're getting whatever it is. But, yeah, but they're not, are they? Is, is, is that not actually <clears throat> happening? Is that just a myth to scare people? Um, well, they don't even say that. They, mm. they What they say, which is hilarious, is um, what they say is like, Ah, but your baby, if you're going to send it to the nursery and all of them 25 children, they've all had their vaccines. If anyone catches the measles, it'll be your one that's given it to them. But your one hasn't got the measles. They've all got the measles because it's in the actual vaccine. Mm. That virus is a live virus. It's not a dormant virus. It's a small dose of a live virus. So that's the, the hatred towards people that don't vaccinate in australia you can't even put your child in kindergarten in it if they're not vaccinated so basically you have the choice and you can get government grants for childcare in australia and this is stinky and it will come here soon enough that you can get your government grants which could be up to a thousand dollars a month for childcare, which is a lot of money if your child isn't vaccinated though no nah. You've got to buy yourself a private nanny and you don't get any subsidiary from that. So what advice would you give to people watching this, couples who are about to have a baby, who are being told you need to get all these vaccines or Um, or else? I mean, I don't want to say that I'm an anti-vax person. I have just been on the receiving end of it and a lot of children aren't damaged. Uh, um, Like, I'm quite sure the vast majority, well, we hope they're not. But then we're watching cancer rates go. I want to know why our kids are so sick now. I that like if you prove to me it's not the vaccines and you say it's this environmental factor, then then that's different. Like I'll I'll take that. I'll take that. But anybody who has is looking into this, just do your own research. Don't get pushed into it. And you can't get single vaccines anymore. You could before you could say you could get the tetanus in one, the diphtheria, like so you could stage them out. Now you can't get those. Um, I would delay. I mean, if you're sitting on the fence, I wouldn't be putting any toxic. It's got aluminium in it. It's got like... It, I, they Not a lot of them just like mass produced in China now with all kinds of 
chemical ingredients. Yeah, I mean, it's bloody... I mean, the the, the, the vaccines that Charlotte had, the um, preservative agent in it was mercury-based. Now, they say that's not in them anymore, but if you're getting the crap from China, come on, we don't know what's in there. You, you know, we don't know what's in there. And I, I would... I think to put anything, if you can't breastfeed, you can't breastfeed. You have to bottle feed. You, you know, I'm not one of these. You're a bad parent if you don't bottle feed. But look, if you don't breastfeed, that's your personal choice. You're not going to kill your baby through that. Like, you have to do what's best for you because a stressed out mum is not good for any baby. And some people can't feed their own children. But if you've got a baby that has only had boob milk or formula milk, how at eight weeks can it be a good idea to put chemicals inside them. How can that ever be a good idea? Learn your baby. I I would say until you know what they're slightly allergic to because there's a lot of um, animal-based gunk in vaccines. Like, if, if there's there's too much. You can look into it yourself. I don't want to come across as some like... I don't want to traumatise people, but I would delay until you're happy with the choice you've made. Don't get rushed into it. And like, maybe ask for the... Thing that the comes insert. With the, the insert that <laughs> and says, say, "What's that? What's that? What's that?" Don't the inserts actually say all these things can happen? Yeah, it's like it's like including any, death and brain yeah, damage. Yeah, death, brain damage, a kidney failure, liver failure, retinal hemorrhaging. Um, you choke. You know when your esophagus closed. Like it's all in there. But if you get any medication, how many of us read it? Like even if you get any small medication from the doctors. I mean, I'm a sod for it. Hey, I don't want to take anything anyway. But if anyone I know, they go, oh, I've gone to the doctors. I'm like, what they got you on? Oh, I'm a bit depressed. I'm on citalopram. Give me that. Oh, right. So you fancy a bit of kidney failure, this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. Oh, oh, right. You might actually now have suicidal tendencies. So you was a bit depressed before. Now you want to top yourself. Like, just read this stuff, but no one does, do So they? I think your testimony is so powerful, people watching this, it might actually save lives. And what, I'm, what I'm, um, I've learned from you is then perhaps if you are considering having vaccines for your baby... Delay it as long as you can. Your kid will be stronger the older the kid is. Not to have multiple on the same day because it's just a chemical explosion that overloads, overloads the brain. Spread them out. And... Um, they they seem to be. What about people who just watch this video and think, right? I'm I'm never going to risk this with my baby. I'm just not going to get any vaccines. Do you think that is a sensible approach? Well, all I can say is from from my side, um, my my youngest son has never had any vaccines. And I've taken him to every place where he should have got polio, he should have got typhoid. <laughs> like, they, they, these kids have travelled. Like, Sam didn't have any vaccines after his original ones um, because, of course, we don't, like, now, now it's like, no. Um, so it's like, oh, must have the polio. I want to take my baby swimming. Um, I had my youngest in the swimming pool at six weeks old. Oh, look, he's still here. In fact, when he got chicken pox in school, there was a thing where they had to stay off school for two weeks. And, and I'd phoned up the doctors and I'm like, right, I don't, do I need to bring him down? And he was like, no, it's chicken pox. I said, it definitely is chicken pox. And I said, how long has he got to be off? And he said, it's got to be two weeks. And about four days later, and he was smothered in them, about four days later, they were pretty much all gone. By day five, 
He was perfectly all right. Like, they were gone. And I phoned the doctor up and I said, look, there's nothing wrong with him now. They've scabbed over the chicken pox. They've gone. They fell off. Like, why can't he go back to school? And he was like, that's far too soon. There's no way that he, he he's like that. And I said, well, I'll bring him down then. And I brought, and he said, go on then, bring him down. And he was like, wow, I've never seen a kid get over chicken pox that quickly. So perhaps the vaccines... Um, I think they lessen hinder. your immune system. They, oh, they definitely hinder yeah. your immune system to the point where it's where all like you end up being intolerant to everything, not just germs, but food and and you, you know like the allergies and the asthmas and we're just weakening our children. And everything is the immune system, isn't it? If your immune system is down, it just is like a domino effect on the rest of your health. So people watching this are going to be absolutely blown away by your story. How can they help you? I don't need any help. <laughs> there's nothing. I mean, there's there's nothing. Are you on social media? Can people reach out to you if they've got questions on this subject? Um, they they can always find me on um, Facebook. I I'm a completely open book with anything. So. so I'll put your Facebook in the description box below this video. Are you on Twitter? Um, I don't really use Twitter. So Facebook is um, the best way to contact you. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I'm quite. I mean, I've got I've got um, two email accounts. One account is what I keep for helping people. And one is like the normal life stuff like banking and like my own crap that I have to deal with. So what I'll do is I'll flick you over that email address and I'm happy for you to put that because if anyone does, um, I don't want to be the person who can give you medical advice on vaccines. That's illegal, like, isn't it? I, well, I can't do it. I, I'm not I'm not an immunologist. Every, all the information that I've had, I've found out myself. I... I, I what I want people to get in touch with me for is abuses but in the family courts and these medical experts and false accusations against parents because it's getting out of control. And the thing is, when this happens to you, you think you're the only person going through this and it's isolating because the information I found on the internet all those years ago it isn't there now because it's got taken down so it's you're even more isolated and it's it's the same with me I still feel this it was like because this situation happened I still haven't settled down with anyone else I'm still single and and all of this you actually feel like from that moment on you have nothing in common with anyone that you used to have in common with before because your experience a it's ongoing and it's so extreme that you think, well, who'd put up with me as a friend or as a partner? Like, it's just too weird. Who'd believe it? Like, well, and then when they do believe it, who can handle this? So it's the isolation of people in this situation. At some stage, I need to build a website where they're like people can look after each other because it's not a small thing. These it, these big cases that show in the press of shaken baby and smotherings and, and fabricated induced illness, shaken impact, shaken whatever they're calling it. In the big press, they are small stories now. They don't happen very often, but in the family courts, these are happening all the time. And they're not going, these aren't considered, well, they're not being reported like they were before because after Angela Cannings, after Sally Clark, and you've only got to look at the case of Sally Clark, she actually died after she got out of prison because she couldn't cope with what had happened mm. to her. And and we was I was in touch with Stephen Clark, her husband, when she was in the prison, went to her appeal. And 
and it was sickening because all these barristers and that were chatting and like, ha, ha, ha. Everyone knew they were letting her out that day, but they were like having a little laugh and joke about it. And I was getting so angry, I had to walk out. Mm. Um, I had to walk out of the Royal Courts of Justice because I was like, there is nothing funny about a woman who's been put in prison for seven years and has had three children die. Why And they were saying things like, oh, yeah, well, that was with baby Harry. <laughs> like, because it was their little mistake. Mm. Baby Harry was dead. His mother's life was ruined. Mm. Her marriage was ruined, you know. And it was like, and then she came out and she couldn't cope with life. And now she's dead. And it's so in social services. There was a woman in court only last week in the family court, 34 years old, mm. had a heart attack, dropped dead mm. now we only heard about that because she did drop dead you, you know what is happening in these family courts don't let these sods isolate you because you're not on your like well you are on your own but but you're not the only one going through it and as long as you know that you're not then there's safety in numbers and and sooner or later this thing will have to go and and i think it will it will be one of the travesties of this country because there's so many children that have been taken into the care system look where they end up prison child in the uk care system is more likely to end up in prison than college mm. and they're real statistics so it's just like it's a topic that just goes it's absolutely mind-blowing what is going on at the hands of these pharmaceutical companies and I really appreciate you coming in um, I'd just like to say to the people watching this this video today was a personal story, it does not it is not medical advice if you are in a medical situation seek the guidance from professionals don't just go to one, seek the guidance from multiple professionals, get a full spectrum of opinions on a subject there's always multiple sides not just two sides on a subject there's always multiple sides get as much information as you can and try and make an informed decision if you have enjoyed this video then please let us know in the comments below um, and liking and sharing we appreciate all the people who have subscribed to the channel subscription logo is in the bottom right hand corner of this video you can click on that. It is free to subscribe. Huge thank you to all people who've donated on PayPal, Patreon, just giving subscribe star to enable us to keep the production of the True Crime Podcast coming in a studio with Joe and James, our ace cameraman and sound engineer, um, coming all the way to do this today. So, like I said, um, put your comments down there if you enjoyed it. If you've got any other podcast guests you can suggest, um, please send them my way. And uh, let's let's give you a hug. Sharon, yeah, thanks. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, you're welcome. That was brilliant. Thank you.